You remind me of someone, a man I remembered in a half-forgotten podcast. A man possessed of some radical notion. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Jack. What is the most resilient parasite? Bacteria? A virus? Intestinal worm? No. A podcast. Resilient. Highly contagious. Once a podcast has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. A podcast that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks right in there somewhere. Hi, everybody. I'm Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. Welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. Yeah, welcome. Hi, that was great. That Thank was you. great. I was, I was thrilled with that. Thank you. This is a podcast about filmographies of directors mm. who experienced massive success <laughs> early on in their careers and were given a series of blank checks to make whatever they wanted. Whatever they dream. Oh, don't bong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Here I am. I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Producer Ben, aka the Benducer, aka the Poet Laureate, aka Perdue Ben, aka Mr. Hazev, aka Mr. Positive, aka the uh, Fuckmaster, aka uh, the Tiebreaker, uh, aka uh, not Professor Crispy. Never know. He is the the meat lover. Did I say that one already? Uh, uh, he's, no, he's the no. peeper. He's our finest film critic. Right. He's uh, not a temperature queen. He's not no, a temperature not. queen. He's dirt bike Benny. That's true. He's soaking wet Benny. Yeah. yeah. He's graduated to certain titles over the course of different miniseries, Please. such as Producer Ben Kenobi, Kylo. Ben, yeah. Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben State. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Oh. Uh, 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 ben Night Shyamalan, did I say what I want to say? say Benny thing? Ailey yeah. Ben's with a dollar sign and sure. Warhaz. There you go. He's hey. playing fast and loose with the soundboard today. <laughs> oh my God. All well, right. I'm getting okay. ready for, for these Brahms, baby. We got some I Brahms. suppose this is an exposition heavy film, so. It's an exposition heavy of, episode. Right. And right. we got yeah, a lot yeah, of Brahms yeah. we got to drop today. Yeah. Uh, this is a mini series on the films of Christopher Nolan. Mm. It's called The Pod Night Cast. Of course it is. And we've gotten to the film that kind of makes him different from other blank check filmmakers we've covered. Go on. In because that, he got hit. Go on. You could argue that Dark Knight is the film that allowed him to be issued the blank check that he used to make Inception. Right. That's, For sure. That's the catalyst movie that gives him the blank check. This right? is nominally his blank check movie, his right? His cash Yes, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Right, yeah, his cash And usually people's cash-ins... They're the ones that are maybe a failure or, a, you know... Because sometimes those checks difficult. clear. Sometimes they clear and sometimes... Sometimes they bounce, baby. Right? <laughs> yeah. And even when they yes. clear, usually it's like you get a double or a triple. You're safe. Yeah, exactly. You 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 uh, satisfied your artistic. You did one for me, right? And then you'll go back and do one for them again, maybe, right? Like that's right. that's the ideal model. But this is a movie that would have given someone a blank check. That's the thing. The success of this movie has given him a blank check. So he gets he a check on a check. You know how much he was paid for Dunkirk? How much? Twenty million dollars plus twenty percent. Amazing. For the movie that he should be talking them into, you know, yeah. like, I really want to make this. Please let me. Well, let's talk about this. Your brother, Joey Sims, went to a screening oh, yeah, sure. of Dunkirk. And he a did. And Q&A, yeah. uh, Christopher Nolan yeah. directly disputed the notion that blank check films are a thing. He did. That's true. We, we haven't recorded in like a month. So right. I, I, there's a lot of, right, like Nolan. It, since we've last recorded, 
I saw Dunkirk. Dunkirk came out. Dunkirk yes. was a huge success. Sure, it's doing well. Joey Sims heard Nolan. Did it, did you he tell you the Brahm thing? No, what's the Brahm Where thing? Where he was just Joey's like he talked. He's very quiet. You know, he's not a commanding you know voice or anything. Sure, sure. So Joey was like everyone was clearly it's an old crowd at Lincoln Center uh-huh. nodding off during this Q and A because it's just very mumbly. And he then, should do uh, ASMR videos. Yeah, he Nolan. should. He should do ASMR videos. Hello, I'm Nolan. Today I'm going to that's what some of my favorite teas. That's basically what he sounds like, I think. This is a Twinnings. And then it's, for some reason he he did the Inception noise. He went, Brum! and everyone was like, because ah! <laughs> like, it was suddenly very loud. Uh, uh, that's very funny. But yes, he he. I think he disputed the blank check notion. What he was basically he said, like, no one ever gets a blank check. Right. It's always There's a always series control, of negotiations. Right. There's always concessions. Which of course, if someone's giving you that much money, it's always yeah. And, and just okay, the fact that it's Chris, but, splitting hairs. But Jesus over Christ, here. no one else would have been allowed to make Dunkirk, and certainly the way he did. Yeah. And be rewarded that way. Yeah. Anyone else, they'd go like, okay, you can make Dunkirk, but guess what? You're making fucking $2,000 for this. Yeah, right, right, you know? exactly. Oh, you want to make your passion project? Well, you can make it for scale. Right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, when your passion project costs $100 million. Right. right, but he's a guy who's got a check on a check on a check. Because mm. he made Inception check knowing- Check within a check? After this, he's got a check within a check. Mm. Would you that- say that he's possessed of some radical notions? Oh, yes. Mo- about blank checks? Most certainly. He reminds me of a man I met long ago. <laughs> Was that you doing your Brahms? <laughs> oh, guys, we have not been together for a long while. It's been a while. It's been painful. It has been what's, a what's while. Up? <laughs> Love you, Benny. Oh, okay. You're the best. Oh, thanks. I can touch him, so he's yeah. the one who gets my affection. Uh, Griffin's across the table. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Connoisseurs of connoisseurs. We're kind of kind of We're kind of connoisseurs. What the hell is happening? I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm really. Uh, you know, I've said before on this uh, on this podcast that no one should ever make a TV show, and I stand by that. I think the tick is excellent. I'm very proud of it. I think people are going to love it when it comes out August I'm 25th. Very excited, exclusively on Prime Video. And I'm not watching the screeners. Good. I want to watch with the masses yeah. on my 50 inch Amazon TV that I just bought. That keeps telling me about you. My face keeps on coming over. It does. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> like when I turn it on. Like yeah. Because that's the creepy thing about these smart TVs. It's like, here's an ad for you. Six tight half hour episodes coming out August 25th. Uh, so it's a really weird show. Uh, sure. I just like, I keep on looking at like how much they're promoting. And the promotion's only going to get crazier. But like putting us on all these. You're fucking- on the Facebook uh, right, and the JetBlue flights and, and oh, built sure. into the TV and all that sort of right, stuff. Right, and I'm right, like, right. this show is really weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're these 30 second ads. You can't really tell. It's just superheroes. But I mean, yeah. it seems a little weird. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. Is weird. Is weird. I think it's really good. I just like, I wonder if everyone else shares my taste. <laughs> right. Well, it's going <laughs> to you know? post in a, at the end of the month. Where yes. This is posting at the beginning of the month. Uh, yeah. And as I said, you know, no one should ever make a TV show. Very proud, very proud that they forced me to do it, but no one should ever do it. TV no, I wish you had I'd rather you were really in just like destitute right, right. now. And, yeah, and ready suffering. to record episodes on a regular exactly. basis. Exactly. Just David, let me do more blank checks. Uh, you know what I've realized even more than making a TV show no one should ever do? Uh, promote a TV show. Too much work. That's, that's <laughs> Too demanding. I'm exhausted. My brain is fried. But you're almost done. I'm almost done. And you're, we're, here, we're here today. We're here today to talk about the movie called Inception. 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 Yes. The 2010 
uh, romantic comedy. What's the genre of this film again? I'd say it's like a romantic dramedy. I would say it is. Because it does have some dramatic elements. I know it's, we mostly mm. think about it's cutting humor. Right, because there's a whole scene uh, that's funny. a, there's a whole scene a that's an movie. extra long pee gag. Yes. Let's be let's be honest. This is yes. a whole not scene like a whole a set piece, right? A whole chunk of the movie this, is a pee gag. This might be the most expensive pee joke in the history of cinema. It's a hell of a pee joke. There's yeah. also the parody of that Jamiroquai video. Very fun. Very true. Yeah. So basically, it goes like this: Christopher Nolan, 1996, five, yeah. whenever he's he's sitting there watching the box, an early British cable channel where you could call in and watch your favorite music videos Ooh, by pressing a three digit number. What kind of what kind of sword? And he I am he calls in and he's like, "Virtual insanity, please." And he's wearing he's, the fuzzy hat. He's watch. He's wearing it at home, and he's watching uh, J.K. of Jamiroquai <laughs> navigate a world of furniture <laughs> shifting around. What else happens in that video? There's like a bird yeah. at some point. <laughs> Who directed that birdie video? Christopher Nolan. I really. I feel like it was someone like Jonathan Glazer. It was like one of those big shots, uh, or or a romantic. Um, yeah, sure. He's one of them. No, I mean you're joking, uh, David. That was a funny joke and five comedy points. And Jonathan Glazer, I was oh, right. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, but one shot. That's impressive. Yeah, is impressive. Uh, we all know that this movie, of course, is based on a uh, one of the uh, Carl Banks's uh, Scrooge McDuck comic books. <laughs> you know there is I a Scrooge those, McDuck. I love those comic. You books. know there is a Scrooge McDuck comic book that's about the Bugle Boys trying to uh, steal. Uh, uh, Scrooge's dreams. <laughs> they sneak into <laughs> sure, his dreams right. when he's sleeping. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, they change the characters a little bit for this. Um, no, but he makes he makes the Dark Knight. The, sure. I'm sorry, the Duck Knight. And uh, <laughs> sure, movies very successful. Quite successful, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a thing you know, box office fanatics like you and I. There was a long stretch there where it kind of looked like, I guess maybe nothing's ever going to top Titanic. Sure. But not only that, nothing ever came close. Right. Like Titanic was sitting pretty at 600 mil. Yeah. And nothing had even crested 500. Right, right. And then you have The Dark Knight in 08. And, and then after that, the next one's The Avengers, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, to beat 500 mil. Right, but for a while, nothing was on 500. You had some 400 grocers and those were big, but Titanic was miles ahead. And Dark Knight, there was this real kind of like Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire thing of like, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it week by week? Everyone's looking at the holds going like, everyone, everyone like us. Mm-hmm. All broken people were looking at the holds going like, are they going to make it? And it taps out at 534. Yeah, but it's still a huge, huge, huge fucking total. It's the second biggest movie in history. Yeah, and, until Avatar the next year, right? And uh, they know that he's going to make a third Batman movie. Who knows? Warner Brothers. Do you think they knew that? I think Nolan was reticent. Yeah, he didn't want to do it. But I think they were like, "Come on, dude." Well, look, forgetting that, forgetting Sergeant Marshall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, he what was, the fuck was that? That was that's weird. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool if Inception was about them trying to get Jason Siegel to forget Sarah Marshall. Yeah, because that guy really has to get over it. He really needs to get over it. That was not a healthy relationship. Yeah. I mean, I understand. Look, I'm a heartbroken dude, but that relationship was not healthy mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. But we did get uh, get him to the Greek out of it. Yes. Which is great. And and we did successfully get him to the Greek. We Thank got God. him to the Greek. Thank did they God. get him to the Greek? They got him to the Greek. Okay. Oh, you good. didn't know? Spoiler. I've seen it. Sorry, and I, that's a spoiler. Well, yeah. All right. He's... Uh, he's got the Dark Knight. It's doing. It's doing great. Sure. And cracker he he's he, it's doing Cracker Jack. He wrote an eighty-page treatment 
about dream stealers. But he had done this earlier, right? A long time ago. Right. Uh, he said he was influenced by movies like The Matrix, <sighs> Dark City, <laughs> The 13th Floor, <laughs> <laughs> these sorts of uh, 90s uh, city sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How, how do you describe it? Sure, that? sure. He wrote it as a horror movie. Okay. And then he was like, I think I want to do it as a heist film. Yeah. Because I think he probably, mostly just because he likes heist films and more than he likes horror films. But I don't know. He said he was into that. I don't know. Uh, And he pitched it in 2001. I'm just sorry. I'm just getting this info for you. We're constantly context. When he goes in to sort of start on an Yeah, he's made Memento and he's there like, what do you got? Uh, and he realized Inception would need a very big budget, so yep. he's like, forget it. And he makes Batman, and he makes The Prestige, and he makes The Dark Knight. Yeah, Bartman and then, began, and, you know, then he, continued. And, he, yeah, he knighted. Yeah. And uh, then after making The Dark Knight, he spent six months really, like, writing the script for Inception that mm-hmm. is the movie. Like, you know. He with a blank. He has a blank check, right. so he's like, "Great!" And now I can do my green, Dream Thieves movie. Yeah. And then he gets Leo DiCaprio to be in it. Right. He gets qu- quite a cast, but that's the big thing is like he knew. Um, I mean, apparently his only other choice was Will Smith. I think he knew he needed a guy of that stature. Makes sense. Right. Because those- and Leo is such an obvious Chris Nolan. Oh, lead. Yes. He just has. Right. He looks like Christopher Nolan. But Leo, in a weird sort of Leo way. is. The we hair. talk about the death of the movie star a mm-hmm. lot, right? Mm-hmm. And Leo is this one guy who's been so particular and strategic about what he signs on to do. Yes. That even if all the movies aren't great, he still has that kind of event film power by him choosing to be something. And I would say just more and more. So, I mean, here's yeah, Leo. Because Will right, Smith used to have that point. and he lost it. You're not excited for Bright? Bright. Looks twisted. Twi- it looks twisted. Brown. <laughs> twisted. <laughs> he had made... The Aviator, yeah. uh, you know, just in recent, I'm saying, like, when he's... And then well, he's he made, getting Scorchese. Yeah, he's getting very Scorchese. He makes, right, Gangs of New York 02, uh-huh. nothing. Aviator 04, nothing. Departed 06. So three Scorsese movies in a row. And then he has Blood Diamond in 06 as well. And those movies successively, each one is more successful than They're the last. They're all doing great. Uh, he gets an Oscar nomination for Blood Diamond that he richly deserved. Just kidding. <laughs> He was fine. It's fine. He made Body of Lies in 08 with Ridley Scott, which went nowhere. That's a whiff. It's a whiff. He made Revolutionary Road in 08 with Sam Mendes that was supposed to be a big Oscar play. Kind of goes nowhere, too. Another whiff. There's there's definitely a dip there. I forgot about that dip. Yeah. But two logical decisions, by all means. Yeah. Big directors, big stars. 2010, he was duly appointed a federal marshal. (laughs) He was. (laughs) He was. Uh, for Shutter Island, another huge hit. Considering, but then that was pushed back to eleven, was it? No, not? no, it was. Uh, well, it came out no ten. You know, it came out in ten. It was for, supposed to be for nine. It came out. Oh, in 10. oh, okay, okay. So Shutter so, Island came out before Inception. Yeah, I always it came got out the order February. Right. Yeah, but essentially, yes, he does have two movies come out the same year where he's like a man tortured by a dead wife who's a ghost, losing and his mind, is losing his mind, yeah. and like what is real and what is not is yeah. sort of like the central no, drama. I remember that they came out within six months of each other, but I thought it was the opposite order. Uh, no, because they, they made Shutter Island right. for, it was supposed to be an Oscar player for 09. Right, and, and it got pushed back. It got pushed yeah. back for yeah. whatever reason. It came out in February, big hit. Yeah, big hit. And Inception, humongous hit. Fe- well, yeah. His second biggest film ever. Yeah, and yeah. then he made Jay Edgar, and he, he, he showed them all. Mm. Then he made Django. Right, big. Uh, Great Gatsby. 
huge hit. Yeah, weirdly very successful. We never talk Wolf, about Wolf that. of Wall Street, huge hit. Huge hit. Uh, then The Revenant, huge hit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kicking ass. And he's, since The Revenant, he's done nothing. Right. He's on. A, he's he's, on, he's on like a trying to convince Donald Trump not to destroy the world. I guess. Yeah, and he has and like a lot of meetings with Ivanka. Isn't there some he has new like a Scorchesey movie that's being talked about? That well, he'd right. Do after Irishman. Yes, there, there's a multiple because they've been talking about Devil in the White City for a long time that he'd be in, and now right. there's a new thing they're talking about that he might which, be uh, in. Which I'm forgetting what that is. But right now, Scorsese's uh, making the Irishman. Yeah. Anyway, so in 09, February 09, Warner Brothers purchases Inception, a spec script. And I think for them, this... And announces it, big deal. I remember it being announced. Right. Yeah. And this always felt to me like an insurance policy. Like, if we bankroll this huge, then crazy surely movie, he'll make us he another has Batman to do a third Batman. Because I think everyone could sense already he was a little on the edge about the Batman thing. I think he required a lot of talking into it. But yeah, maybe Inception was part of the pitch. Kind of felt like a one for them, one for us sort of deal. The film shot in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It shot in the United Kingdom, where they did all the sets, mm-hmm. all the hamster wheel sets, all the weird rotating, you know, all the crazy shit. Yeah. And a lot of the, like, university stuff. Yeah. It shot in France. Yeah. Paris. It shot in Morocco for uh, Mombasa. Doubling That's like Mombasa. a lot of this movie's budget. And then it shot in L.A., yeah. And then it shot in Alberta, Canada for the snowy stuff. Yeah. So all over the place. That's very expensive to do, especially if you're retaining the same crew and traveling them everywhere and you're not using second unit. And not using second unit. And, and shooting on cast. IMAX. Shooting on IMAX yep. with a massive cast of big stars who all, you know, have accommodations. Oh, please do accommodate me. Yeah, he casts Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is a new guy for him too he hasn't yeah. been in any batman any nolan movies yet no but he's sort of he's sort of like hot like right he's yeah. like he's people like i had 500 days of summer come out last the summer before yeah, right so, was that 2009 yeah, yeah people are into him it was yeah. yeah uh he cast ellen page recent oscar nominee a cuckoo Coutier who had beaten her that year for the oscar yeah, Cuckoo Cotillard, that's right. right. Uh, Hardy, obviously. Coming off of Bronson. Coming off of Bronson, who, right, also had not yet been. Now but, now these guys are like... Yes. Uh, yeah, because Cotillard also hadn't. But they all become like uh, the Nolan done public players. enemies. No, but it hadn't oh, been oh, in a oh, Nolan oh, movie. Oh, yes, correct. He's establishing a lot of new company players in right. this. He brings back Watanabe from uh, Batman Begins, gives him a real role this time. Yes. Uh, he's, I believe he's second build. Well, we'll get to the billing game later. So excited. Killian Murphy, his old pal. His old buddy. He uh, revives Tom Berenger this time rather than Eric Roberts or uh, Rucker Howard. And by revived, it literally looks like they shook Tom Berenger (laughs) out of bed at four o'clock in the morning and said, can you shoot a couple scenes? What do you want me to do? Look. All right. So like with Rucker, I was thinking about this. With Rucker Howard, obviously Nolan uh, admires Blade Runner. Yes. Right. That has to be part of the reason he wants him. And like maybe Matthew Modine, maybe it's like Full, Full Metal, Metal Jacket. jacket uh, Eric I'll, Roberts, it's got to be Runaway Train. Like what the hell? I don't know what Eric. Star eighty. <laughs> but is Pulp do you think he's like Village? a platoon fan? I like what's it, that's right? the that's the Behringer role Behringer's apart from Major League. A, a weird one. He's I think he's excellent in this movie. Uh, uh, I I agree with that, but it's also weird that like. Of all the, you know, Nolan, one thing that he does is he has these big credit blocks on his posters. He gets these big casts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has, like, ten people above the mm-hmm, title. Mm-hmm. And of all his, like, reclamation projects, 
Behringer is the only one to end up above the title. He does put him above the title. It does feel like leading up to this movie, it was a big push of like, oh, is he going to pull like a Robert Forrester on Behringer? And then Behringer's just kind of in this movie. I think he's good. I think he's solid, but it's like his part is kind of more functional than anything else. I'd say your part is more functional. I would agree with that. Yeah, I just schooled you. You did. Took you to school. Five uh, school points. Exactly. And then f- he gets Kane uh, for a little roll. Just a little, little touch little to bit, Kane. Bitty, yeah, a little, yeah, little boop. A little yeah. boop of Kane. Beep, beep. Uh, uh, Pete Postlethwaite, I think his last role. Uh, right, no, he did something after this, but the Postlethwaite was over pretty much. At this point, he was he was over. We were You're fighting. right. He did the town after this. Thank you. Right. That We've been possible waiting for a long time. We had. Yeah. And then finally, I just want to acknowledge this. He's talking to Leo probably one day and they're probably just talking about pussy. <laughs> right. They're just getting some drinks. Talking pussy. And he's like, let's get one of the posse in here. Lucas Haas. Leo's like, who's not doing anything right now? And his phone, without him touching it, calls Lucas Haas. Can we talk about the pussy posse for a second? <laughs> for a brief second. You're the one who opened this. <laughs> I just love that Lucas Haas is in this movie. I do too, okay? It had to be a favor, right? I mean, or what, like a, that connection. Also, peak, peak Titanic, peak post-Titanic wave. Mm-hmm. The, the tabloids go crazy reporting on... The pussy posse, which has existed pre-Titanic. Right, but now they really run well, the world. People are crazy about uh Okay. Leo. So this is this is they have dubbed their own posse the pussy posse because they like having sex with women. There's a very uh famous and very good New York magazine it's article a great piece. called Leo Prince of the City that right. I think I can't remember what year, but by Nancy Jo Sales. That is a like where I feel like where a lot of this legend comes from, right, including but, the name. But they were a group of young gentlemen actors who enjoyed vaginal intercourse, right? Hey man. <laughs> And so they dubbed themselves the the pussy posse. It I was, hate to keep saying it this no, many I times, know, but I it's know. But it was like E from Entourage. Right, okay, Kevin we gotta Connelly. go down the whole list. Okay, that's what I want to. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sure. so DiCaprio, who do you have leading the posse? The biggest movie star in the world, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. modern day Valentino of the nineties, right. right? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, sure. and then who's he rolling with? This guy could open any door in town. He could there be his buds, though. It's like right. his buds who were like auditioning for Critters Three okay. with him. Right, yeah. exactly. That's yeah. that's the key to this: is they were all child actors. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Lucas Haas, we'd mentioned him already. Right. He's the kid in Witness. Mars Attacks. Sure. The donut store employee. Yeah, he's funny in that. He's really good in that. Uh, he's been around, right? Yes. Uh, Harmony Corrine. Corrine. Sure. He's he's a major member of the Pussy Posse. Right. Director of Gummo, one of your favorite movies. Love. Street magician David Blaine. David Blaine. Ugh, Doing street magic. Who, who hadn't gotten a special yet. But Leo. They discovered Because like, Leo helped push him out there. Because I rewatched David Blaine's first special recently. we were doing the pussy posse right now. We have to. Uh-huh. I rewatched <laughs> David Blaine's first special recently. And there are six different points where they cut to Leonardo DiCaprio in a room doing a talking head explaining why David Blaine's a good magician. I remember. I remember that special really well. Let's say something. It's a good special. It's a good special. Yeah. Dave Blaine. Why are you re-watching that special? I, when I can't sleep, I watch magic videos on YouTube. I told you this. In a prestige episode, I talked about that. I watch Ricky J. Yeah. Okay. And I've right. watched all the Ricky J too many times, right. and I've been watching David Blaine specials. Good for Blaine. Um, you got uh who uh, well, Toby Maguire. I blame it on alcohol. Sure. Toby well, Toby. Right. Pre-Spider-Man had Toby been, Maguire. But he'd been in like the ice storm. What else have you been well, in? He was know. ruling cider houses left and right. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh and, and Jay Ferguson. I, I really just want to shout out J.R. Ferguson, who I know is Stan and Mad Men. Stan Rizzo but and Mad Men, but at that moment was the least successful of all. He had been in some shit. As a kid, but he wasn't he like. He was in like yeah. Evening Shade. Right. Uh, you got E from Entourage, Kevin Connolly. Right. 
the tallest man in business, show business. So handsome and hot. Remember in Entourage when he's a sex machine? Yes. E. What's happening with the Murphy group right now, do you think? Sorry, I could just do <laughs> E jokes all day. Midnight Raid. Um, yeah, and there's a bunch of others who you barely have heard of, like Josh Miller, Ethan Supley. Sure. I mean, these uh, are adjunct members, though. Sure. Justin Herwick. Okay. But, uh, yeah. but I like... And Sarah Gilbert, who is like the Shirley MacLaine in, sure. in the Rat Pack of the Pussy Posse, right. who is g- gay. Yes. Or bi. I can't remember. But she's, she's, she's a gay a, woman. A, She's married to a, a lady. A now. gay woman. So I think she was like their... their, 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 their gal chum. Sure. And similar... Child star of the early nineties, right? Yeah, um, but Leo doesn't hand out roles to his posse. Like it does feel like there's a separation of church and posse in how Leo conducts his business. It's true. It's not like right. You see Shutter Island, and there's J.R. Ferguson being like, "I'm crazy." Because even like McGuire's the other guy who gets really big, and yeah. they don't really do a collaboration together until they just do Don's, Great Gatsby. But what Don's about Plum, Don's which Plum. is buried. But yeah. that's the point. Don's Plum was like the Pussy Posse movie, and they were like, yeah. bury yeah, this right, right. shit. I've never seen it, but isn't it just them talking about pussy? It's on Vimeo, yeah. yeah. And it was apparently mostly improvised, which is why they had to bury it, because it was like, oh, this is stuff they actually thought. Like, they weren't just reading dialogue. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so it's it's particularly strange that Lucas Haas is in this, because it's not like Haas is his Hector no Elizondo. It's not like it's his good luck the charm. Pussy Posse. He did. He just loved it, and That's he wanted he to pay Leo. homage. Exactly. Yeah, I, he goes, I like him a little bit as an actor. Mm-hmm. I like him I a lot him as, as a, a stick man. As a stick man. He's a legendary stick man. All right. So, great. We've lost all our subscribers. Great. Perfect. But we gained new ones. Yes. I'm just pointing towards the window, but I, there's nothing and, there. And <laughs> E from Entourage is hanging by the window. <laughs> the Murphy Group. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm excited that this podcast is now part of the Murphy Group's Network yeah. of podcasts. We have shifted over to the <laughs> MGPC. Yeah, I guess we could announce that. Yeah, huh? yeah Murphy Group exactly. Podcast Company. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, Inception. Inception. So, he makes Inception, and it comes out, and people like it. Yeah. Okay, well, good Good up. Wait a second. Ben, what's what? that? Is there a leak in the ceiling? I feel like it's this rubble that's... Uh, oh my god. What's going on here in the studio? Uh, ben, what's going on? This is great so far. I, I, I mean, I, wait, what's happening? <laughs> it feels like the podcast is collapsing. Oh my god, is <laughs> is the room falling apart? The room's falling apart. <gasps> oh my god! Then we just started that this talking is an about audio the movie. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> How are we going to uh, g- Wait, are you guys telling wait. me that the room's falling apart? Oh my god. The podcast is collapsing. Oh god. We have to go deeper? We got to go deep. Can sure. we go de- Can we go in, into a podcast and a podcast? I, yeah, I guess I guess we, we we're going to. Yeah. Okay, let's plug in, guys. Ben, don't be too shaken up. Yeah. We can do this. Thank okay. god I brought my dream suitcase. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Great suitcase. David? All right, and uh, how do I just instantly fall asleep? You just uh, put the thing on your arm? Yeah. I never really figured it out. Right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, just count sheep. Oh. You Ooh. mustn't be afraid to podcast a little bigger, darling. Oh, oh good. There you go. Uh, Another hi, great line. I'm Griffin Newman. Oh, great. David Sims. Uh, welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. This is a mini series called The Pod Night Cast, and today we're talking about the movie Inception. Okay, so the movie starts. Uh, it starts, uh, well, it starts with Leonardo DiCaprio washing up on a beach. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. the first thing. Yeah. 
Oh, I should just apologize in advance if we have some sound problems. We are recording from the back of a van oh, right now. Sorry, I'm going to take a sharp turn, guys. <laughs> okay. Hold on. It's fine. Uh, it's right. a, also, time is dilated, so uh, this should sound very slow to everybody. Listen at thir- times three speed. Right? One episode for us in the real world would be five episodes right now. Do you think it was talking about the pussy posse that uh, collapsed the previous I podcast? Think it might have I think been, it was I think too hot. I think it might have been that, I think actually, it was too hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, yeah. And we got some details wrong. It was like how the rug is made of uh, polyester or whatever. Yeah, Jay Ferguson was never part of the group. <laughs> no, he was out. God damn it. I'm trying to instill doubt in you. Uh, all right. Um, oh, yeah. So just apologies in advance if there are any sound issues. We're in the back of a van with taking a lot of sharp turns, and also it's raining very hard. Yeah, and we're asleep. Oh, I think we got a tail, too. Uh-oh. Gunshots. Okay, Ben, you take care of this. Great. All right. I'm on it. Okay, so Leo looks like shit. He looks like he just got it's back actually, from a night with a pussy pussy. It's actually good. I remember seeing this in theaters, yeah. and uh, this is the movie that, in my opinion, begins the... Nolan's movies, I can't hear what anyone's saying, yes. uh, complaint. Yes. And seeing this, and it's Leo is dragged before Ken Watanabe in absurd old age makeup. Mm-hmm. Which I love. He looks I think he looks so good. Awesome. They do such a good balance of, like, just owning the surreal. Yeah. Like, just making it look like a cartoonish old man, but with a lot of detail. Leo's eating rice like his life depends on it. And he's doing the way, the way people eat when they're desperate in a movie. Right. Where they hold... They the, hold the spoon with their whole fist. Right. right. Like, that's going to somehow get the food to them faster. Right. And they essentially have to turn their entire hand upside down, twist their arm in order to get stuff on the spoon. And, yeah. When you're most tired, you have to hold the spoon in the most counterproductive way. Um, what this means is nothing. Um, but uh, So what's happening is... Leo's young, but he looks like shit. Kei Watanabe looks great, but old. Uh, exactly. Ken Watanabe is talking about uh, God knows what, and it you the music's going, and you're just like, what the fuck is Brahms are loud. It's IMAX images. This movie's just like <laughs> punching you in the face. And he's essentially saying what, you know, the sort of, you remind me of a, you know, half-remembered right. dream. Sure. All that stuff, right? Right. And uh, Cobb is looking up just like his mind is gone. Sure. Then you cut to... Same place, uh-huh. but everyone looks hot now. Really hot. Cobb's in his suit. Looks like Nolan. Uh, Saito, who is Ken Watanabe characters, he's in his, uh, I don't know, Kimono? fancy dress. Yeah, I yeah. can't even remember. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is there. Yes. Yes. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, Arthur. Who has too much posture in this movie. He's posture all right. He's very, like... He's it's the straightest anyone has ever stood for an entire film. It's true. He looks yeah, it's true. He looks like a collection of right angles. He really yeah. does. He's and he's even the way he's moving throughout the entire movie, he's very uh he's very eager to please in this film. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's doing he's writing this weird line Art of that like, was intended for James Franco and he was initially cast in. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think Franco would have done this well. I agree. He probably just would have done something different, right? I mean, yeah. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performance in this film is very strange because I don't always think I like it's him good, but I think it always helps the movie. He he's he's it's true he's weird. He's basically like a computer mouse because he's sort of like the thing that does all the stuff uh, that and needs he's to be doing done. This weird, overly clip like he's right. almost doing an Agent Smith kind of thing. His posture's too good. David's doing a really good JGL face right now. I, mean, I wish I was as skinny as JGL, but yeah. uh, apart from that, but um. Uh, he doesn't have much of a personality, and when he does, he's mostly just sort of complaining. Right. And uh, when he kisses uh, Ellen Page, 
which in another movie would be like a moment people maybe had been like thinking about. Sure. You're like, that was the least romantic kiss. A hundred percent. In the history of kissing. But I think what kind of works and I, you wonder how much of this was intentional on his part. He has so much exposition. He is trying so hard to fit into this Nolan thing, you know, with his voice and his posture and explaining how things work. You need a kick. No one else knows the exact weight of this loaded die. Uh, it does feel like he's a guy who's trying so hard to be DiCaprio in the movie. Sure. When I DiCaprio just kind of has it like naturally a little yeah, yeah, unforced. Yeah, I get that. You right, know? right, right, right. right. Uh, which works for the character and he puts a lot of spin on all of the exposition he has to deliver. But so he's it's in the room and immediately movie. he's like, come on, we got to walk this way. You know, he's like, sure. Just leading him around. He's the producer. I mean, everyone says this movie sort of tracks to this is Nolan using the basic functions and positions of filmmaking. Yeah. No, to I show agree how a crew you. works. I mean, I know the theory. He's yeah. the producer. He's a little too he's slick. The producer keeps things moving, keeps things on time. Leo's the director. The right. I assume tortured, this. losing his mind. Tortured, losing his <laughs> not mind. not sleeping well. Uh, separated from his family for uh, indefinite periods of time. Right. Uh, seemingly at the whims of forces he doesn't totally control. Right. But and uh, and uh, possessed at, of a, right. you know certain of clear vision notions, uh, but needs people to help realize that vision. And Saito is like the studio. He's like the financer. He's yeah. the guy you got to make these negotiations with mm-hmm. to figure out how to execute your vision. But in my opinion, the movie is more of a film about his connection, or like you know, it, it whatever. I really his connection with Saito is is what I love about the movie most. Interesting, you're smiling at me, and I think that the beginning of the movie, you know being about the two of them yeah is obviously hugely intentional interesting like you know there's it's not like nolan was like would it be a great teaser for my movie like in the dark night i had a cool bank robbery with clowns i know uh fucked up leo talks to old man ken eating rice like that that'll really that'll really get everyone hooked well i assume we got it Dig in a little deeper before you can sort of fully outlay this thing. But I'm curious to hear this take. Really? You've never heard me talk about this before? No. Watsonabe to me is so good in this movie. He'd be an Oscar nominee for me. I think he's very good in this one. Uh, I don't know if he would have gotten a Griffey, but I think he's very good. Yeah. And, um, well, we can talk about it. But, you know, like the crucial decision that Cobb makes, in my opinion, is rescuing Saito. Mm-hmm. Which he doesn't, he does have to do to... I suppose, uh, you know, get his daughter back or get his kids back. I just want my kids back. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, It's one of my favorite Arrest Development jokes ever. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll talk about it more. Let's, you know, we're we're, we're right at the start. So they're walking around this beautiful party. It's kind of who's cutting who. They're in his dream palace, Saito's dream palace. Right. And then very quickly, it's cutting to them sleeping in like mm-hmm. an apartment, in an apartment where there's like a war raging outside. There's right. like mobs there's like a approaching, political yes. uprising, and people with torches. And they're in this dirty apartment, and Leo is sitting above a bathtub, right, that's filled with water. Yes, Saito's in like a chair. So this movie gives us Arthur's asleep, right? Yeah, and Lucas Haas is there, just yeah. I don't know, thinking about pussy. Uh, I will say every time you say Arthur, it throws me off because I've gone through five months of people almost exclusively referring to me as Arthur. Someone's on, set, it on a TV a lot show. Too. I'm not bragging, no, but no, I'm sure, saying people sure. forget my name and they go, uh, Arthur, Arthur, can we uh, bring you over here for a second for lighting? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to keep having Pavlovian responses every time you say I that. I mean, I can call him JGL. You can call him whatever you want. It's fine. I'll mm-hmm. get over it. I need, to, I need to learn breakfast. to establish my own identity. You should call him for breakfast. After we fuck. He- <laughs> <laughs> whatever. 
uh, JGL feels like someone who's an early riser, right? Who doesn't need much sleep. On the dot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. sleeps four hours a night. Hey, good morning. I made you pancakes. God, yeah. And they're like the pan- the blueberries are too crisply arranged in each pancake. How do you do it? There is something weirdly like morning, like talk radio about him. Like, hey, yeah. I'm JGL at 6.15 in the morning. It's uh, why, here with some Fleetwood Mac. It's why he hasn't succeeded as a star. He's a weird... He's a weird guy. Uh, guy to put in the lead of your movie. Because, you know, we all put him in the lead of movies because he was this exciting supporting character in so many movies. And, and he plays a dirtbag well. Like, he played really? a lot of good dirtbags. Well, he had that breakthrough year where it was Mysterious Skin and Brick. And both premiered at Cannes the same, uh, or at Sundance the same year. Yeah, I can't, yeah. And then uh, they came out two years apart. But it's like two amazing leading turns from the kid from Third Rock from the Sun. I know, and, and Treasure and, Planet, who had disappeared uh, for a while. things I hate about you, yeah. And, uh, and Angels in the Outfield. And suddenly it's like, right. oh, he's this weird kind of broken character actor. He's very cute in it, yeah. yeah. but those two movies, he's very... In Angels in the Outfield, to be clear. Really cute in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also very cute in Treasure Planet. Um, <laughs> but uh, those two movies, he's very kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, withdrawn, elusive, mm-hmm. tortured. Mm-hmm. And then he, like... You know, everyone's like, ooh, this might be the next big guy. And then immediately. He's in 500 Days of Summer. Right. Then he kind of rebrands himself as this very, like, poppy up together dude. Uh, and clearly, like, is gunning to be, like, a major leading man. Agree. And has given a weird collection of performances since then. Yep. He's someone I like a lot. I think his best starring role is Premium Rush. He's great in Premium Rush. I like him in Looper. I do, too. Looper's uh, just such a weird thing that he's doing movie. a Bruce Willis impression. Right. Uh, obviously, I love Don John. Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> Don John, I think, is where he starts to lose us in general because you're like, oh, th- this is the movie you wanted to make. I do think that movie's kind of well-directed. It's a weird movie. Yeah. I Okay. Like, I saw it and was like, I'd like to see it's you direct other things. Yeah. I'm going to stop saying He was that trying to sorry. get an invitation to the posse. <laughs> Uh, he, he would have been in the posse, uh, you know, if time shifts around, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. I feel like he probably would have had his own posse with, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, the 90s, like, sitcom boys. <laughs> right. You know, Zachary Ty Bryant. <laughs> so they're trying to steal, I'm, I'm with you, but they're trying to steal Saito's dream information. Right. And uh, it all goes wrong because Mal shows up, Marion Cotillard. The Shade. The Shade. And she, we don't know that she's a dead ghost lady yet. We just think she's like maybe a rival. Right. And within the filmmaking metaphor, she's a critic. <laughs> it kind of falls apart when you bring no, no. her into it. Within the, she's like. A muse? I guess so. But I would say like she's more like the story like uh, or what like the narrative trope you just can't shake. Right. right. Like where it's like another dead wife, Nolan. Like, right. Like because it is. Kind of so like within, that. Within the she filmmaking- keeps showing up and they're like, you wrote this in again? This? Within the filmmaking metaphor, the dead wife character represents the Nolan's dead flaw. wife. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's- um, it is it is insane when this movie sets it up and it's like. Because she's talking to him about their kids, right? Like they have this yeah. dialogue that suggests a relationship. You don't know she's dead at that point, but then he ties her up in a hotel room. It's weird because you can't tell if they're meeting for the first he, time. They're, it almost right. feels like a seduction scene. Is this a Mr. and Mrs. Smith situation? This movie's throwing a lot of like purposefully disconnected elements at you in, in three different temporality yeah well also right this is the first movie where he's really playing with time yes in ways that he keeps doing uh with other movies yes i mean especially it's in dunkirk but mm-hmm. also interstellar uh yeah and so she disrupts the dream they try and st- and like then and just according to it's like red alert red alert yeah red flag mall here's mall here, here. Right. right and then on. he he gets tortured by mall yeah. actually yeah 
uh, you know, she shoots him in the leg. Mm-hmm. And she's explaining, like, you can feel pain. If you die, you wake up. Like, we're getting, like, some basic rules of the dream. Yeah. And then they, they in the outs, in the hotel or in the room. Still sleeping. He's still sleeping. But Lucas Haas, like, Arthur wakes up because yeah. Leo killed. And Lucas Haas is like, give him the kick. Or, you know. Yeah. And so they dunk him in the water, and you got the water slow motion in the bath, and then it le- leaks into the. Love it. It's a, it's a great good image. I mean, right? Like that's yeah. So I feel like this movie came under a lot of criticism for its dreamlike imagery being very Nolan-y. Yeah. Very big buildings. Yes. Uh, large tactile set pieces that he wants to create in camera, like rather than use CGI. For. Right. And the surrealism is either those structures like Escher deteriorating. Escher. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or other clinical man-made right. creations interrupting, you know, like a train on a street. Like it's, uh, yes, you don't and have bing bong in part- this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Berenger is the bing bong of this movie. Yeah, no say. one's teeth fall out, you know, no, but right, it's not Lynchian at all or, no, no, or no. whatever. You know, like, and people are like, uh, I can't believe this guy's conception of like surrealism and dream logic is essentially like complicated Christopher Nolan set pieces right. that take weeks to execute and take place in city streets. Now, what is stuff. your response to this? Because uh, I have my response. What's your response? My response is I think dreams are a means to an end for what this movie's actually interested in, which uh-huh. is the unconscious. Sure, sure, sure. You know? Yeah, I get Like, that. dreams are literally the way for them to get into it. And I think it's a pretty good depiction of how the unconscious works. I, I but I actually, when I, I remember when I was watching this movie, I was so thrilled because it felt like dreams that I have all the time. Uh, because yeah. my dream logic is basically it's like I wait I'm like in a place I don't know how I got there which I love that he uses that trope sure to start every dream and I have to do something kind of ordinary like I have to accomplish some sort of task uh-huh. and uh, then I'm just sort of waylaid in various ways usually ordinary ones and frustrating ones you know what I mean like there's nothing like that like the surrealism is slight Okay, because my dreams are very visually surreal. Right. Later when I think about my dreams, I'm like, oh, well, how did I get from this place to that place? That makes no sense. Sure. I think that logic stuff in the movie is very dreamlike. The way it tells the stories and the scenes are structured. I don't have, like, dreams that involve surreal things or, like, like monsters or anything like that. My dreams are like, David, like, if you just deposit this check, then you'll have money in your bank account. You didn't do enough drugs, David. I know. And then, then, like, I spend what seems like eons trying to deposit the fucking check, and I keep getting waylaid by other things. Sure. Like, Synecdoche, New York is my dream movie. Like, that's the movie Mm. that reflects the way I dream. I mean, I love that movie, too. That's also why I don't sleep well. Yeah. Because every time I close my eyes, it's that uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) Did I? I didn't tell you this. I, I, uh, Humble Rag was on a plane recently. Whoa! Uh, I was. Were you with Saito? I was. He with bought Saito. the airplane. He bought airline. the airplane. He bought the airline. I had to do him a favor. I mowed his lawn. He let me get a, a seat. Um, seemed neater. I can't remember <laughs> cleaner. I can't remember cleaner. Uh, I was flying back from London, which you should go to, David. It's a really nice town. You would love it. Oh, I've yeah, never been great there. Great city. Great London city. Town? Great city. Okay. Uh, foggy London town. <laughs> um, but I uh, was very sleep deprived. Uh, and fucked up by the the time zone changes that I've been going through, traveling a lot, right? And uh, fell asleep on the plane and had a dream that I woke up and they were making announcement that the pilot had to do a Sully-type hero landing. Brace for, brace for impact. Did they say Sully-type hero landing? 
No, but I was like, oh shit, this is like Sully. Uh, but we weren't going to land in the Hudson. It wasn't going to be a miracle on the Hudson. We were going to try to land on the Golden Gate Bridge. Great. That was the runway, they thought. And I'm looking out my window. And first class, humble brag. So I'm near the nose of the plane. I've never been in first class. That is humble brag. It was chill, baby. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I'm looking out the window and we're like skidding on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And debris is flying off from the bridge and the plane and like smoke is Sounds fuming. Like inception. And I'm like crying and I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then I wake up and I was like, oh, fuck. That was terrifying like i don't have plane anxiety on the plane i wake up on the plane and i was like now i'm really freaked out i usually don't have plane anxiety now i'm stressed out about this plane yeah and then the uh pilot goes we are experiencing some slight turbulence and i was like fuck this and the plane starts shaking and then we start dipping into the golden gate bridge dream within a dream Oh my god! Ugh, I, I hate had two consecutive dreams. Yeah. I've had that happen to me too. Although that's very elaborate. And then I woke yeah. up on the third dream, and I was like, "Fuck this! Get me off this plane!" So you tried to leave, and they were like, "We have five hours and forty-five minutes <laughs> left on this flight. You've been asleep for five minutes." And I just heard that you're going to Australia soon. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh huh. That's the that's the flight that uh, they do in Inception, Sydney I to know. Los Angeles. Right, the longest hey. flight you can do. Brown, brown, baby. Okay. Uh, uh, I just want to say my dream movie is Enter the Void. <laughs> you love that movie. I do, but I also I I've that's re- how you dream. I have really disturbing dreams. Wow. Do your dreams? You guys have done too much. Well, you have done too many drugs. Oh, for sure. I don't do any. You drugs. are too anxious. Or yes, whatever. correct. Right. Yeah, right. That, that's, yeah. That's I don't your need problem. drugs. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. My my shit is my shit is like screaming and colors and people melting. Puzzle of Hearts is always in <laughs> people though. People melting. Yeah, it's fucked up. Oh, but, but I think this raises a good point, which is like when people complain about like, well, he's so unimaginative with his dreams. It's like, maybe this is a Christopher Nolan dreams. Like dreams are personal. Like you can't go like, this is the correct way to depict dreams. I agree. And that's why I always thought that was silly. Right. And of course, Christopher Nolan dreams this way. Of course. Because he seen thinks his this movies way. Or met and he him? fucks right. this way and he eats this way. I can't wait to fuck him. I can't wait to fuck uh, him. All right. So it's a dream within a dream. Yes. They wake him up. Saito wakes up and he's like, I, I rumbled you guys. But because uh, oh, Leo's trying to like get to a safe. In he gets the house to a safe. The he gets the info, out. but it's already being blacked out. Right. And so he, it doesn't work. And the water crashes through and wakes him up. And Saito's like, well... I uh, thought you guys were good. This was an audition for you guys, essentially. See you if you're thought good you were at conning it. me. <laughs> but I'm conning you and uh, not impressed. I figured it out. Yeah. And then he realizes he gets pushed on the carpet. That the carpet is wrong. It's in his house. It's in like one of his little apartments. It's his love nest it's where, love where nest. he goes with his uh, little side piece. Exactly. Who's an important and well-drawn character in the film. Really good. She's dead. <laughs> uh, and he realizes, oh, this carpet's wrong. I'm in a dream within a dream. I always hate this carpet. I always hated this carpet. Right. Yeah. Now I'm impressed. And now then we start I'm seeing impressed. Lucas Haas on a train. Right. And we're on a train, a bullet train. Yes. Uh, Kid reading a manga. Kids reading a a fucking manga next to them. Bring some Shonen Jump. Uh, wakes him up. Yeah, and they all leave while Saito's still asleep. I guess. Right. And uh, and Cobb's up. like, well, that didn't work. Uh, and they're mad at Lucas Haas because Saito he... has a sort of wry smile, like very tricky, sis. Yes. Very and sneaky, so sis. fucked up my Connect Four reference. Great. And then so, but then Leo's in the hotel in Tokyo. Yes. And he's spinning his top. Can't stop spinning that top. And he's pointing a gun at his head. And he's making a phone call. A lot of business. And he's making a phone call to his kids. 
<laughs> who talk to him for like a second and then like they're taken off the phone. It feels like an audition for drama school. <laughs> I'm making true. a phone call with a top and a gun. And then the top. What's the motivating force? The like, gun. The top falls. He puts the gun down. Right. <laughs> he completes the phone call. Right. And Arthur's there, and uh, he's like, Leo's like, I gotta go to like Buenos Aires or whatever. I don't know, you know. And instead, they gotta are, get caned, right? And instead, they are captured by Saito, right? Or who's got to, Lucas Haas? Who's got Lucas Haas? And he says, I offer you the satisfaction. Yeah. He goes, You really thought Lucas Haas was going to be a principal character <laughs> in this film? <laughs> you all saw the trailer where he's being carried off, right? And then they carry him off. They as carry in the him trailer. off. Leo refuses to kill him, and obviously. that shot is based on the trailer when they carry him off. Yeah, the trailer, look, Nolan had dreamed of this trailer his whole life, and he saw the pussy, all right, whatever. Um, (laughs) Too many times. I can't believe you're the one who keeps saying this. This is such a grift thing to do. There's something about the word pussy when you put it next to posse that makes it sort of blunts it in some weird way for me, but yeah. Um, uh, Cut it all out, Ben. Let's start again. No. Put it back in double it. Oh, gosh. Shit, guys. Uh What's going on? Ugh. Oh no! Oh, that was a really hard yeah. turn. We yeah. just yeah, yeah. Ben, we're taking you a really hard turn. The wheel there? No, I, I, but we have to. I think we have to go deeper. Oh, God, the podcast is collapsing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, is that what's happening? Pod, yes, David. The podcast is collapsing. Every, the again. whole every, the van no, they go is deeper because they need more time. <laughs> Isn't that why they go deeper in the movie, <laughs> David? The van is falling apart. All right, we'll okay. take us. Do yeah, the van's falling apart? Sure. <laughs> oh, jeez. She locked away a secret deep inside herself, something she once knew to be true, but chose to podcast. Hi, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. Yeah, I'm David Sims. So, this blank check for Griffin David means it's a Dark Knight cast. Talk about Funchester Nolan. I'm pretty sure I have a bunch of nicknames. Uh, we're recording inside a hotel now, so hopefully everything will be right, a little we're quieter. In a we're in a now. nice hotel room. We've rented a hotel room inside Ben's dreams. Sometimes it tilts, though. Sometimes it's a little tilty. I think that's minor. I can't foresee that being a major problem. I'm not worried about that. Uh, I know. So, Saito says, I got a job for you guys. Yeah. Inception. You guys usually do extraction. Right. What about instraction, also known as inception? Can you plant an idea? And uh-huh. Arthur's like, no way, bro. Can't be done. Impossible. Think of an idea. I try to suggest something new. You know I suggested it. It's never original. Don't think of elephants. What do you think of? Elephants. Elephants. Yeah. Uh, Cobb's like, no, I can, I can do it. It's been done. I've done it. No, it's tricky, but it's tricky. Uh, Arthur, instead of being like, hey, explain to me what you're talking about. You've done it. The yeah. thing that I know to be impossible. Right. I, an expert in the field of dream thieving. I'm a dream producer. Right. He's the producer Ben of dreams. Instead of that, they never discuss this again. No. He just uh, says it can be done. And the reason Leo wants to do it is that Saito can offer him. Uh, for, you know, freedom essentially claims he can offer him like he Leo can't go to America. He's, get back to America. Get back to your kids. Get back to your kids. So the kids are with Marion Coutillard's mother. Is that the implication? Yeah. And Michael Caine is Marion Coutillard's father. Yeah. And he's not in the same country as them. He uh like teaches in Paris, right? Where he met Leo because Leo right. and Marion were students there. And he commutes. They were architecture students from America to Paris to teach. Uh. I don't know. Or he only lives at James Bond. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, you know, what can I tell yeah. you? Yeah. But Leo's like... Maybe he just comes to Paris. I don't fucking know. Right. Like, yeah. Good good, good question. Right? I've always wondered that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're busted. Yeah. Yeah, Nolan, your whole movie just fucking crumbled. <laughs> um, he... DiCaprio's like, cool, we're gonna need a team. Sure. Um, and 
the idea is you got to get the heir to a company mm-hmm. to split up his father's assets when his father dies. Right. The the father his greatest is Postlethwaite. Right. His right. Saito's big rival. And everyone's Postlethwaiting for him to die. He's he's on his deathbed. <laughs> the son is Killian Murphy, who plays Robert. Such a beautiful man. He is uh, excellent in this movie. So good. Uh, really. He's excellent. my Kim Watanabe in this mm. film. But He's can great. we both agree who the best performance in this movie is given by? I think there's an obvious answer. Tom Hardy? Hans Zimmer. <laughs> but, like, I'm not even really joking. So Hans Zimmer constructs a, f- a fabulous score for this movie. Yeah. It's the first time that he's working with Nolan solo. The right. other He'd made the two Batman right. scores with him. And then Julian did the other are, couple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is the first time that he and Nolan are really building a score from the ground up. And Hans Zimmer has this idea of... Lavian Rose. Is it Lavian Rose or no? It's Yeah, Lavian Rose. No, no, it's non uh, uh, Rian, 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 yeah. Rian, yeah, yeah. The um Edith Piaf song, yeah. which is their kick like alert. Right. And which slowed down sounds right. like he slows it down. Because at the beginning it's like dun 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 yeah. dun. Yeah. And uh that's super cool. And he builds the score around that. It's such a great score. It's uh, really great. And I, I there were a lot of moments where I was watching it this time where this movie is incredibly silly. It is a remarkably silly film. That's the thing about this movie is the stakes are so high, but of course the worst thing that could happen to them is they will wake up. Right. And obviously there's the concept of limbo scrambling your brains and all that. Like, but like there's a moment late in the movie where Leo's like, well, that's it. Fuck it. We're done. And Tom Hardy's like, well, I mean, it's not my kids. I don't have to see, but uh, I really did want to know if it was going to work. Like that's all the stakes for him. But it also it feels they like they can always just wake up. It feels like a really, really dorky, dense two thousand page sci fi novel that some kid in your history well, class recommends, f- and and they tell you the idea, and they're like, that idea is cool, but this is way too dense to read because half of this book is just going to be explaining the rules of the universe. My my friend Alex Chris, who is a longtime fan of the podcast, once said his opinion of, to me that his opinion of exception is like it's like a script written by a twelve year old directed by like a master. Yes. you know, like that's like how that's he what, felt about. That's the what movie. it feels like. Like it feels like something that a kid would doodle in a notebook and then. Now has the to amount of rules. I mean, right. it's especially all the rules. You're like, I'm on board. I get it. You know, like the things like the kick or whatever. Uh, the movie fine, is sixty percent true leather. But then when Leo is like, he'll go into limbo. What's limbo? Unconstructed dream space. You're like, come on, <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> Unconstructed dream space. Which let's say this is a very divisive movie. I like this movie. I do too. And I think a lot of people just go like, fuck this. This movie's so sweaty. It's so silly. It's so sloppy. It has to cut so many corners in order to not completely, like, self-destruct. Sure. But I think it's, like, that's—you got to go with it. Like, those are the Faustian bargains of, like, the premise for this movie is so bizarre. And his goal, which is essentially to get to the last hour of the film. Which is where it's just— A symphony. It's just, like, right. He's able to just cut between all these things with very little explanation— and suddenly shots of people sleeping in a car feel like the most exciting so thing. Right. Like, that's <sighs> the deal it. he has to make. Like, you have to sign up. I agree. Right. I just feel like for a lot of people, they saw the movie the first time and liked it, but then rewatched it and were like, shit, this movie is an hour of an instruction manual. And then, right. sure, it gets to more exciting stuff, but, like, it's boring to rewatch. This movie is incredibly clunky. Like, you cannot argue it isn't clunky. Unconstructed Dream Space? <laughs> And it's weird because everyone talks movie. about Nolan being very tight and very controlled sure, and very sure, sure. precise. But he knows the only way he can get to the state he wants to get to is to be clunky and inelegant with a lot of it. You know? Like, either either he doesn't explain as much and the movie doesn't really make sense. 
And when you get to the sequences at the end, they're less visceral and exciting because you're still trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Or essentially you have to devote several reels to like drawing a map, you know, for the audience and having seven different characters take turns delivering exposition. So let's talk about the team you built. Yeah. Add some new members. He goes to Michael Caine and he's like, give me your best student. And he's like, I need your best student because "Eh." I can't be an architect anymore for reasons I'll explain 20 minutes from now. Yeah. Uh, So I need new architect. And Caine's like, okay, wait, stop here. Red flag. (laughs) What's up, bro? If you're shaky enough that you can't be an architect, maybe you shouldn't be doing this, period. Mm. Maybe you should get some fucking R&R. No, I need to see my kid. Chill the fuck out. Shut up. Shut up, Michael. I don't care. And he's like, okay, I got this kid Jew now. He's like, fuck. Fine. All right. So yeah, Juno, she was just delightful. All right. I need is you. Right. Her ego is Prego. Uh, her ego is Prego. This Honest is one home skillet that can't be undid. <laughs> God, fucking Reed Rain Wilson. Honest to blog. This is the best one. He meets with right. Ellen Page. He finds her in the penny saver. <laughs> Juno references. Who knew we needed them? But we do. Um And she draws a maze for him of sufficient complexity that he decides to essentially drug her against her will and take her into a dream state. No, I mean, I I, I think she's very well cast in this movie. Yeah, because uh, I wish she would return to the Nolan stable. I want to see her in another movie. She fits weirdly well. One of his few female. I mean, she's similar to Swank. Yes. Insomnia. The kind of like doe eyed go getter, you know, who is flinty underneath, you know, like his more steely than she might initially present. Well, what I like about her is I think she's exclusively playing steely. I think she's a very strong-minded young woman, but Ellen Page is innately very vulnerable in how she plays on screen because she looks like she's a little. cartoon baby. She's little. Right, right. She's she, a little lady. She, she looks like, like a cartoon fawn or something. Right. You now, know? she's the writer. Yes, she's and the And the director is like, Oh, fuck. I can't. You need to write the script. I need to outsource but this. But then this, she keeps presenting right. the script, and he's like, no, my ex-wife should be in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, this looks good. I put my ex-wife everywhere. <laughs> and she's like, why'd you do that? He's like, I don't know. I, she's She has to be in the movie. It's important right. to me. Uh, I'll never forgive myself. <laughs> and she keeps being like, explain to me why it is you're good at what you do. And he's yeah. like, I just am. Shut up. <laughs> they need to find a forger. So Who's they, essentially a professional liar, also an known actor. as an actor. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and boy, do they find a good actor. He's wonderful in this movie. And God, he's so good. This, I really think he, it's audacious, the whole thing. Like the way they dress him, yeah. the way he plays it. I mean, Tom Hardy is a terrific actor. One of my favorites. He really, you really, when you're doing a Nolan podcast, you really remember how much you love Tom Hardy. I can't wait for you to see Dunkirk, man. I can't wait. I'm seeing it right after we record this today. Um, but but here's what I love about it. Every time Ben has to note it, it's okay. so funny. So three three Tom Hardy Nolan movies, right? Yeah. Tom Hardy, I would argue, has the best mouth in show business. Sure. And right? he's hidden it from us in two. Two out of three. Two out of three. He's got great lips. Oh, my God. He, but I love Jesus the way he's dressed. Jesus Christ, those lips. Tom Hardy's such a big guy. Yes, like he he's is. he's just a big guy. Like even though, he, like as Bane, he's huge. Like he right. built up for that role. Right, he's broad-shouldered. He's, he's got certain dimensions. You right. would yeah. think Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be the actor type in yes. this movie because he's got the physical type of an actor, right. right? And Tom Hardy's supposed to play a man who then like can be like an attractive blonde who can right. be Tom Berenger, right? right? You know, like and because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is built like a ballerina, right? And Tom Hardy's built like a linebacker, right. and he's in this funny suit with the high the wide collar and like 
the you know you know but it like, feels like how that type of actor would dress right. like he dresses like John Malkovich in this movie <laughs> you know so have you seen John Malkovich's suit line you know John sure. Malkovich has yes, a line yes, of suits yes, 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 they yes. all look like yeah. what fucking Hardy's wearing in this movie and he's got he's doing a really interesting he's just got this like touch of I mean, he's like an actor. Yeah, right. He's like a British lovey, I mean, is the best way to put it. Right, and he's doing a little bit of an affected Brando thing with, like, mumbling certain words and not making eye contact and looking down mm-hmm. and throwing away lines and all that kind of stuff. And he's also kind of flirty with everybody. Very like, flirty, very sexual, there's a lot very charisma-based. fanfic about him and Arthur that is a uh, big deal on the internet. We're going to read some later. Yeah. You didn't know about that? No, well, four, Arth- three or four levels from now, we'll Arthur, do our Arth- fan fiction. Arthur episode. Eames shipping is uh, something very common in the on the uh, in the world of fans, I believe. Do you realize how much uh, highly erratic fan fiction is about to be written about me? I can't wait. Oh when god, it's so true. They're show. just gonna want your little shrimpy. Like butt. it's not subtextual. It's like textual. I keep on saying this show is like romantic comedy minus any physical payoff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a love interest, like or a potential love interest? It's my favorite part of the season. I can't reveal okay. it. Uh, but but I I have I have an admirer on the show, which I think is the funniest element of the entire season. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, God, All fucking right. Hardy. Hardy's great. Uh, do we and, have- and, and he has he's everyone else in this movie is doing such a clinical technical thing, and he's just throwing it off a hump a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's showing you what an actor can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he comes in and he rules. And then you've got Dilip Rao. As Yusuf, who's the like chemist, the special effects supervisor. Yeah, technical, right? Yeah, right, right. Isn't that what he's supposed to be? Because it's right. basically it's like, I need some complicated shit. Dream within a dream. Yeah, but your ears need to be unbalanced so we can yeah. kick you out of it. And he's like, Yeah, I got just the thing. Yeah. I live in a vintage. What is it? I mean, I'm in Morocco. Yeah. No, he's in Mombasa. Come to my basement. These people are freebasing dreams. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a first AD maybe, but also if a first AD was like, hey, this is my house. In the basement, people are living out a movie nonstop. Uh, right. He puts people to sleep right. who He's no like longer dealer, kind of. can sleep because they are too deep. And the idea is this dream tech was invented by the military and now it's like proliferated. And I love that the movie spends so much time explaining how the tech works and offers six words explaining like, why that's, it exists. That's why the military created it. So you could uh, do military stuff stab in a people dream. in your dreams and get the hands on experience. Yeah. It's like great. People learn how to stab Such someone. So you could it. practice killing people. I guess so. I mean, look, there's some weird logic to it. But it's great that they just don't. They, the more they try to explain how it works, you know. You know what I'm realizing though. As much as it all is complicated, we're barreling through the plot because there's not. It's just like Saito recruits them. They recruit the team. The team thinks of what to do. They execute it's like the Ocean's plan. Eleven. Yeah, it is very it, like it's a heist movie. It's, right. There's a superficial quality to it all. Yes. Like there's the scene where Leo. Uh, you know, uh, recruits Ellen Page where he takes her into the dream. I, I re- Like I said, I really do love the idea where it just, they cut to the middle of it. That's, and he's like, that's how this always works, that's right? That's really good cinematic dream depiction. Yeah. Is now we're just jumping locations and the, do you ever question how we got here? Yeah. Is like, uh, I think this movie is doing interesting stuff. I and mean, people say the dreams aren't surreal enough visually or whatever. Right. But I think what he's more interested in is that, which is, finding the ways in which dreams mirror film and how films really are like mm-hmm. a way for us to physicalize dreams. Agreed. Right. And Agreed. that sort of logic and storytelling and emotional involvement, whatever. But then she bends Paris onto it. Right. So he likes yeah. finding those tricks 
for how you can play with the structure to replicate how a dream feels and how shit like the pee turns into the rain and all that kind of stuff. And then he throws you the couple things like Paris folding on itself, like mm-hmm. a quesadilla. Sure. Like a quesadilla. But even Making the a folding on itself is very mathematical. It like folds at a right angle. Yes. Um, because he wants to make this look, you know, he likes things to look real. Yes. Uh, there's the moment I like where you see like, oh, this kid's good when she's drawing too much attention or so he's giving her all the things you can't bring in details of what you know, a street lamp, but not an entire city block. They're coming after you. My subconscious doesn't trust you. And then she like makes the two mirrors and they face each other. And it's essentially a reset. Yeah. And he's like, Ooh, yeah, she's good. She's good. And then Mal stabs her and she's like, fuck this. You're crazy. Yeah. Uh, which is essentially saying, the meeting right. where she pitches the script to the director. And the director is like, yeah, it's, it's great. My ex-wife is in it. Okay. And she's like, no. But then she comes back because she's like, fuck, you know, you do have the, you know, I do want to do this. Right. And she, of course, loves it. So, yeah. So she's making dreams for him. She's she's the entire time, like many screenwriters, hoping that even though the director is blocking a lot of her best ideas, I'm going to be able to push it through. Exactly. It'll work out. the day, we're both going to end up making the movie we want to make. And instead, he, like, drives a train through her (laughs) her first thing. She's like, what? He's like, a train comes through here. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense of the logic of the story. Yeah, yeah but. Yeah. yeah I just, I bought a train. A train, <laughs> train that will take. You got to do that one in the next uh, level. Right. Um, it is like he, she has to work all his weird, like, fetishes and picadillos into the movie because he's just like, oh, look, I just always had a thing about trains. Yeah, it's got to be. My wife trains. and I use trains to kill ourselves. I told you that, right? <laughs> the one time it's okay, I was like, I'm constructing James' face. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't know. Wait what, a second. Oh, God. My water bottle's floating up in the air. Oh, my God. This entire hotel room is spinning. Oh, shit. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, okay. Just hold on to the table. Hold on to the table. Okay, guys. Just try to stay close to the mic. Okay, so they have You guys the are holding together. on to the table. Uh, I'm proud of you. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. This uh, is not as easy uh, as it. Oh, David, what were oh. we talking about? You got to keep me grounded. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Give me a totem. A What's going on in the movie now? What's going on in the movie now? David. David. Hold on. Grab onto the David. wire your headphones David. attached to. Uh, David. Uh. What's going on in the movie? Uh. David. Oh, God. David, ground me in the plot. You're my totem, David. Only I know how you weigh. Uh. Okay. David. How I weigh? I know how you weigh. Uh, okay, I'm grabbing you. Okay, you gotta tell me what's going on in the movie. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, they're explaining all the rules of the Inception. Ben, well, I think the dream's collapsing. Oh, I think, we gotta, I think we gotta go down to another podcast. The podcast is collapsing. We gotta go down to another podcast. Shit, all right. All right. Okay, ready? Everyone buckle in. David, here's your dream plug. Ben, here's your dream <laughs> Thank plug. Thank you. All right. Are you gonna, Again, are how you, do we fall asleep so quickly? Are you gonna Whatever. tie okay. us together in, like, a big ball later? Yeah, we'll do that uh, now. Let's let's all use our plugs <laughs> to tie ourselves up. I tell you, don't think about podcasts. Now, what are you thinking about? Podcasts. Hi, everybody. I'm Griffin Newman. Welcome back to with Griffin David. This is a podcast. Is a part night. Oh, God, cast. it's so cold. Oh, God, it's freezing in here. We're talking about Guys, the movie put on these snowsuits. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, let me just. Uh, let me put grip tape all over all right. why don't my we microphone move, why don't so we it's move white. further into the move plot because in in the podcast yeah. we're a lot just, I'm sorry yes it's just really cold here so during the planning phase 
Yeah. This is when we're getting a lot of Leo's, ba- Cobb's backstory. Because every night after he's like, good meeting, guys. Good prep. Great job. Movies on track. We're How, like two weeks away from starting principal photography. Yeah, because they, they just had a whole debate where they're like, how do we get him to, you know, dislike this, have this idea? Right. And it's like he can't do it because he hates his father because that doesn't work as well as, like, an idea that's positive, right? right. Like, they're sort of, they're, they're, like, they're having all, that's the story meetings, right? Yeah, right. They're trying <laughs> and, to crack story, break sure, story sure, sure. on this. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but then. Um, and you're not really seeing Killian Murphy in this chunk. You see a little of them, like, doing some research, no, some due no diligence. Killian Murphy. Yeah, yeah. But he's not really in it. The basic crux is. His father was a very successful businessman. The son was always viewed as a disappointment. The father wasn't very emotionally available. The mother died young. And he feels like his father was disappointed in him for not being more like right. himself. But their idea is essentially don't break up the company as a fuck you to your dad. Break up the company because you need to do your own thing. Make it a point of empowerment. He wants you to do your own Which thing. is the thing I really like about this movie. That's the one movie where the mark in the con is they're actually doing something kind to him. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it benefits them, but it also benefits him. I agree, Like, I agree. it's kind of a nice con. They're like, Yeah, it's a nice con. We're going to con you and make Help a bunch of money. you make a huge realization about your father's emotions. Come to terms with the sins of the father. Swear to me. Fuck. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, but Ellen Page is also peeping. Leo's uh, sleeping. She's pulling a She's little bit of a bend. And every night he's like, good meeting, guys. I'm just going to go back to my office for a minute. You can all leave. Yeah, and Dealey Brow's like, here, drink this. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ellen Page hangs around, and she's like, wait a second. You're doing some fucked up dream shit. Right. You're going and down she- an elevator all the way to the bottom with your dead wife, and you keep on wrestling her. Yeah, there's this, there's this elevator metaphor of in his dream world where it's right. like, right, like one floor is like their nice apartment. Right. Which is where he takes her. Yes. Or maybe she comes in, and I can't remember the exact specifics. Uh-huh. And that's where his kids are. And you've got this repetitive shot of the backs of his kids' heads. You yeah. can't see their face because he like. Anytime they're about to turn around, he looks away. Yeah, or so, Which I think is really good. I think that's very dreamlike too. Yes, totally. Yes. Um, and then she sort of sneaks away and goes to the bottom level, which is the hotel room where his wife killed herself. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, you see it one time and there's that thing where she just looks at Ellen Page and the music goes like, Burr. yeah, but then eventually, I mean, what like, we essentially see is they're in, he goes into a hotel room. She's in hey, I'm the cool window across from the hotel room and she, she jumps. She's kind of, that's broken. what she ended right. up doing. Right. Uh, and I can't remember. Yeah. When do we learn the sort of story of mall? Is it once we're in the dream? Yes. Right. Yes. Pretty much. I think so. It's doled out. In little bits because limbo is not really explained until they're in the dream. Yes, and the idea is, I because I, I, I but he sort of explains to Ellen Page at this point. I think without the full limbo thing that that the major issue was they kept on experimenting with dream shit, trying some new fucking dank dream shit. Yeah, they were doing some. They were going like dream into dream into dream. Right, and they're sort of the vapors of dreamers, if that makes sense. It, sure. And um, she she couldn't she couldn't figure out what was real and what wasn't anymore. Uh, and it right, kind of well, broke right. Her. When they went into limbo, yeah, and they were down there for we eventually realized well, was, uh, you're right what, their entire. If we're skipping lives. ahead to that part, right? They spent sixty years there. They lived an entire right. lifetime there. And they then had, when they came out, right. she was like, "This is the dream. Like we're now in a dream. Still a dream. That was yeah. That was just a dream right. within a dream. Right. right, right. And because she's so convinced of this, she kills herself. 
while also having herself declared sane so that there's no way anyone could believe that she'd killed herself. Um, three times. Yeah, had herself declared sane three times. Yeah. How'd she ever self-declared? I guess she just, I don't know. Look. She stood in a street corner and said, I declare! <laughs> Do I seem same to you? And so there's some guys like, I, I do uh, declare. Sure, <laughs> you seem fine. Great, sign this, yeah. notarize it. It made me think of the Simpsons episode where uh, Homer, uh, it's the one where Michael Jackson makes the like cameo on it. Mm-hmm. And he At gets, least it's your birthday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he gets like a certificate that says, I am not insane. Yeah. Uh, so I think that she Classic got a similar app. thing. Is that Stark Raving Dad? Uh, that sounds right, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, but that's what it's like. That's essentially what it's like. And now so, Ellen Page is getting some of it. She's getting some of this tragic backstory. But that's why he is haunted by his wife. Right. And and he's lost control. He he can't reconcile his doubt. The, and, and also, I mean, his doubt about whether or not how culpable he was in her death. Right. And the doubt she instilled in him about his own perception of reality. And she has literally, he has literally taken her totem her, the thing that grounds her to reality. Bad move, bro. I know. The top. This is the thing. He keeps explaining the rules to Ellen, to, to uh, Ariadne is her name. Yeah. And uh, she keeps being like, why don't you, you do that, though? Because you don't do anything. He's that essentially you're like to do. pull in the classic, like, do as I, yeah. as I say, not as I do kind of thing. Like, well, he's going, like, be better than me. Because I suck. I'm, I'm fucking this up left and right. I'm doing all the wrong things. I'm basing everything from memory. I'm leading to my wife's death. Yeah. I'm stealing her totem, bro. Don't, 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 yeah, don't be me. No. Um, but he is, at the same time, in charge. Right. And, and she keeps on sort of incredulously saying, like, D- no one else knows about this? Like, no one else picked up on the fact that you're a fucking wreck? But she's not revealing it. I mean, this is... She wants to get the movie made. I she guess, wants that credit. I guess so. I mean, because I feel like wants this that is... She wants to get WGA. Like She needs that WGA card. She needs the benefit. So, Postlethwaite dies... And right. they're like, great, we'll get R- Killian Murphy. We'll get him on this plane. I bought the airport. It seemed the airplane, the, the airline. airline, it yeah. seemed cleaner. Right. Because Saito at this point is not really very involved uh, during the planning phase. Sure. Because he's just the money. He's the money. He's the producer. Uh, and Saito's like, I Another get producer, to come. The executive, the studio, I get to come. Fuck. No room yeah. for tourists on this job. He doesn't care. He gets to come. Yeah. So I don't know. That's like the studio head is like, I want to play. Be on set. Given the notes supporting the role. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I want to be in video village every day. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, yeah. You think you want like a clean single? Of it? <laughs> I mean, you do you, you do you. I just, I feel like maybe you might want to, once you get in the editing, but you might want a clean single of that. Uh, um, so they're going to get him on a plane. Yeah. They're going to do all the shit. Yeah. And they're going to convince him of, to break up his company by the time he lands in L.A. Correct. So here we go. Okay. And now the movie, we're like an hour and 25 minutes in? Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a two hour, 25 minute movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the heist happens maybe like an hour 10 in, maybe hour 20, whatever. Anyway, now now we're into rainy van hellscape. Right. Because. Not to be confused with Van Helsing. No, and Rainy Van Hellscape so is a different thing. So easy to confuse the two movies. I basically identical up Not to the this movies, point. but those terms, Van Helsing and, and Van no, Hellscape. No, the movies. Um, <laughs> because Yusuf drank some champagne. Oh boy, he's got to pee. He got pee pee. So his his dream, which is the first dream, yes, is rainy. Right now, this is the other thing. There's like 
Someone designs the dream. Mm-hmm. Someone dreams the dream. Yeah. And then someone else is the subject of the dream. They fill it with their secrets. Yes. And they do this, you know, um, but they explain all this, but it doesn't ever totally. I mean, it makes sense, but you know what I mean? Like it's sometimes you're like, wait, who's the dreamer again? Right. Because the car dream, like the rainy dream is Yusuf. Right. The hotel dream is Arthur. Yes. Because he's the one who's awake during it. Right. Then and then the Eames? final dream is, I, I don't even know. Yeah. No, Eames? I think that, no, that one, I'm sorry. That one, they're going into Killian Murphy's dream. I guess so. The snowscape. Yeah, because that's where they convince him to fall asleep. Right, and then it's Leo's limbo. Uh, and Leo is limbo. But that's right. the thing with this movie. But limbo is unconstructed dreams, cases. We, uh, we all know. Because Saito ends up there, too. Yeah. There is no way for this movie to fully make sense. And I don't mean to make like excuses for it, right? But it's like the premise that he's presenting here to execute it the way he wants and have it work in the last hour. You just have to fucking go along with it. And if that's a bridge too far for you, you know, they're great. You're never going to like this movie. But you have to buy this movie's fucking silly. (laughs) It's really dumb at times. And it has massive leaps that it needs to ask you. A leap of faith. Uh, Exactly. I love, I love, I love them. I lo- that's the thing. I love them. Cobb and Saito. That's my ship. Yeah. In this movie. Um, but wait, so now, now we're in the, the rainy landscape and immediately. Don't you want to take a leap of faith? I wanted to find the line. They're being chased. Or cha- become an old man filled with regret. They're being chased. Dry alone. They're being chased. Yes. And the thing they do is, uh, they, Tom Hardy buttonholes Killian Murphy in a cab. Mm-hmm. And they follow in another cab. But then they're being chased because his subconscious has been weaponized against oh them. And there's a train. And also there's a train, which is a separate and issue. Right. That that's Leo's. That's Cobb's problem. Yeah. And so a lot of problems. All going wrong really fast. And so they have to go into the second dream really fast. Right? We don't really get much out. It's just the train thing. Right. He puts them all asleep in the van. The kick is going to be they'll drive off a bridge. Yeah. Right. But they, I think there was just supposed to be a lot more time because it's like an hour a day a week or yeah, whatever. It's like, essentially you know, just like, a big car chase. And then there's that scene where they end up back at the warehouse and they're like, this mission's fucked. We're right. fucked. That's where Leo's gets shot. yelling at Arthur. Right. Saito's been shot. And, and they're like, call it off. Call it off. And Leo's like, but we can't kill ourselves because we actually might fall into limbo. Oops, I forgot to mention I forgot that before. Uh, so takes what's drink. limbo? It's, uh, it's on. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll get to that in like an hour. <laughs> So, uh, that's also where Arthur says that you got to dream a little bigger. Yes. And it's, uh, no, Eames says that to Eames, Arthur. Sorry, not Arthur. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so they drop down a level. That's their moment. That's like the only real interaction. Well, no, they have the bit where like, yeah, one of them kicks, couple, the, he kicks chair. the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says like, thank you for the pedantic explanation. Arthur. Like yeah. they, they have a little bit of a thing mm-hmm. where it's like, mm-hmm. You know, he he clearly looks at Arthur as kind of a suit, and Eames is like, I'm this fucking I'm artist actor, full right. of life. I'm, exactly. I'm exactly. a fucking person. I'm a professional person. Yeah, you're People the, pay you're, me to you're be you're a person. Producer, you're the stuff suit, right? Yeah, yeah. fucking stuff suit. That's uh, how I treat producers on set. Yeah, but Kick over their chairs. Yeah. Tell them to dream bigger. Take out grenade launchers. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot oh, them. Oh, you fucker. Don't knock me out of my chair, David. Oh, okay. Ben's the producer. Ben's the producer. Right, of course. I'm going to set my chair back up. Jeez. <laughs> That's all the all from the film. Any good creative bullies a producer. 
exactly. Yeah. We sure do bully Ben. So much. He goes through We're so, so much mean to him. With us. It's crazy to think, Ben, that, I mean, you remember, like, we, you had to tolerate us doing all those fucking Star Wars prequel episodes, which you hated. You hated those movies. I hated that. And week after week, we'd come in and just talk about, like, now we sometimes talk about movies you'd like and we change it every week. You hate those films. And we like forced you to talk about them and watch them over and over again for I months. I remember. Yeah, it was it was awful. Just because we had this dumb idea. Mm. That's mean. Anyway, so they so go now, into the they hotel. They drip into the hotel. And they drip into it. Right. And now and this is the best part of the movie, right? Yeah, the hotel shit's cool so fucking good. Tallulah Riley, who's actually Tom Hardy, is like flirting with Killian Murphy. Yeah, that's like Tom Hardy's lady role. Right. And then uh and then Leo comes up and he's like, wait a second, dude, don't trust anyone else. I'm the guy. Let me tell you what's going on. He does here. the inception squint. He does the meme. Right. Um the we have to go deeper meme. I think he's so good in this movie because yes. he does such a good balance of playing someone who is able to project that he's entirely in control and that you should trust him, but showing all the signs of the fact that he's cracking. I forgot the other thing in the first level. The first level also has the thing where uh, Tom Hardy plays Tom Berenger and they get a code oh, out of kidnapping. Killian Murphy. Yeah. Right. They, they do right. a fake kidnapping. And and Tom Berenger has this heart to heart with him. Your father, you know, maybe it was this. They start to get more information out of him. Right. They're giving, and but also they get this code out of him because they're like, he must have told you. You're his son. Yeah. You wouldn't know the code? And Killian's like, no, we He didn't. never told me anything. We're yeah. not, yeah, he's right. a bad dad. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, so they planted that seed. Right. And then in the second level, he's playing Tallulah Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, he, what's the, what's the war, the name that it's like Mr. Whatever, like, you know, the name of the con that Leo's running. Oh, I forget. I know Mr. Charles, I think. Uh, yeah. Mr. Charles. You're right. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Charles. Yes. Where but, it's but like, he's essentially like, I'm a bad guy. I'm the guy you should be worried about, but actually trust me because I'm being honest with you. Yeah. It's the thing where, right. Like, yes, you are being conned, right. but not by me. Not by me. I'm your head of security. Your head of dream security. I'm the guy who would be conning you usually. Cause that's what I'm good at, which right. is why you should trust that. I know how to stop the people who are doing and it. And this is dangerous because like now the subconscious is worried because they've they keep been told on saying, they're in like, a dream. You're like destroying the internal reality of the dream. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's scary because the, the subconscious the, can turn on you. The unconscious can turn on you. Right. Uh, so what else happens in the hotel? I mean, later there's going to be some. Well, so very cool quickly, shit, they he's like, come with me. They negotiate. They talk everything. He's like, you got to trust me. What are we going to do? Going to go into a dream. A dream within a dream? And he's within like, yep, that's all it is. It's just, just two. two dreams, One, two. buddy. One, two. One, two. Like the friends. And they uh, put everyone in a hotel room. They're all dressed very nice in this reality. This is probably the nicest. This is this right now. Now, also, he's making his James Bond movie, right? Yes. And he's always Nolan has always been obsessed with James Bond mm-hmm. and like speaks so. And he's always said, if I ever wanted to make any kind of franchise, it'd be a James Bond movie. Right. And anytime there's like a new Bond like rumor, they're always like Christopher Nolan, maybe, which yeah. seems unlikely at this point. But who knows? Well, also the broccolis they don't never like give anyone a blank check. No, although Sam Mendes was the closest they've ever come. So who knows? But Maybe. Sam Mendes was a little back on his no, I know, heels. I know, which I know. was, I, know. I think, why that worked out so well. I agree. I'm just saying, like, they've been a little more pliable yeah, than they have to get in the a past. Little more. Yeah. Uh, but I still would be surprised. I think the Bond, the Bond name would have to be really disgraced for them to turn to someone like Nolan. And I don't think, even though Spectre was bad, I don't think it's in, like, particularly bad situation. No, I also think you would need to have... Nolan do the relaunch. That's what I'm saying. Like you would have, have to be the somehow fourth, the wheels right. have come off the bus and it's like, great, we're going to reboot bond to Christopher Nolan to give us your bond. And we'll, right. you know, it basically what they did with man of steel. Tom Hardy like, is yeah, James Bond. Sure. Right. Whatever. 
Right. So, but yeah, so it's like, right. You've Tom got Berenger the, is James the car chase sequence in the first dream and the second dream is everyone's in suits and everyone's like being clever and everyone's right. like uh, talking all smart to each but other. But very quickly, DiCaprio's like, nighty night, baby. Nighty night. Let's go into the third dream. That's the most Bondy part, which is like this like mythical ice hospital. And it's, it's on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Exactly. Like, that's which the is, big he's always said it's his loves. favorite Bond right. movie. Right. And yeah, everyone's on, uh, what do you call them? Snowmobiles. And right. It's, uh, everyone's wearing white. They look cool and they're trying to get to a safe. Of course, this giant safe is on a ski slope. And it's like the craziest damn safe you ever did see. Yeah, it looks the so wall cool. cool. Looks store. fucking great. Yeah. Man, I love ski fighting. Well, there's a, a ton of it. It's so great. I mean, like... So do you like James Bond movies? I do. Yeah. This reminded me of GoldenEye, the video game, which mm-hmm. that was like one of the mm-hmm. better levels. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, because... So many ski fight sequences in the Bonds, too, yeah. Right. There's, like, the Tomorrow Never Dies where he's got the coat that turns into, like, a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this movie's hitting on a lot of shit I love. Like, because uh-huh. you got the... No, the, it's on The rain, right? The first level. It's a very wet. wet movie. They keep on using water as, right. like, I mean, an activator. What if you were within a wet dream? That would be That'd sticky. That'd be Inception rated X. There definitely is an Inception porn parody that is that concept, right? <laughs> it may be. If not, can we make that? Mm, who's the star? Um, finally going to whip it out, Griffey? Finally. <laughs> oh, finally, yeah. You say that as if there's a demand. Yes. What are you talking Major about? Major demand. Put it back. <laughs> but really why I like the snow is just because the outfits. Cool outfits. It's always good. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. It's you, a good look. You have to. You have to. Like when Marion shows up. In yeah. her snowsuit, yeah. she's looking great. I yeah, feel like man. they all look like G.I. Joes in this sequence. Yes, like sure. they look like G.I. Joes like on an Arctic mission. <sighs> and right, and there's this thing where Saito keeps getting better every time they drop down, but then he gets sick again. Right. Like he, you know, like it only uh, stops Last the bullet for so long. Coughing in the in right. the napkin. Yeah. yeah. Um But they're all becoming buds. Yeah. It's really crucial to me the Cobb Saito thing where like you know, he's just working for Saito at the start of the sure. movie. But by the third, like, there's so much emotion invested in Saito, and he's so crucial to their final, like, tower defense. Yeah, and I also no think— No room for tourists on this job. You know, like, where they're, sure. like, basically, like, taping a grenade to his hand so he can throw it later, like— Right. I also think it's not just, oh, I can't let this guy die because— Because I need him for uh, I think at thing. a certain point it becomes, like, I don't want to let him die. Like, I can't have blood on my hands. I can't be responsible for another person's death. Exactly. I have sent someone to limbo before. It right. is my greatest guilt. Right. He becomes emotionally invested in Saito as a chance to— and turn the tides. Where, I mean, not to get ahead of the movie, but like my argument basically is like where he failed with Maul, he succeeds with Saito. Right. And uh, that's why, the, I mean, no one loves that repetitive dialogue. Yeah. Like right from the start, you know, and then over and over again, like radical notions, uh, right. you know, leap of faith. Like he's he's reaching out to him, you know, when once they're in limbo. But I love that they're also we're building at the same time the killing Murphy character more and more. I mean, all these Agreed. scenes and all these I, interactions. That's great too, yeah. He's the arc I love the most in this movie. Because well, I think it's interesting that he comes in so it's late. It's the movie within the movie. He's is the story of mark. him. Right, right. And yeah, He's yeah, the yeah. guy who has like a real kind of like grand emotional story. The thing they keep doing with him is his wallet. Where they're like, yeah. $400. I know, yeah. I know how much your wallet costs. Is yeah. that a blender? A uh, little bit. Wallet's kind of a blender. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, thank you for all the blender suggestions. Oh, Keep, yeah. I love that. I love that too. Alex loves it too. I think he's. Yeah. We've been talking about it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just and it, he plays it so deftly. Yeah. But just this guy who's like, it's essentially like my dad made me play little league all the time. I was never good at baseball, and now I've been forced to play in the majors. 
Right. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 And it's like he's conflicted between knowing it's not really what he loves, knowing he's not very good at it, and having this chip on his shoulder of needing to prove it. But he's not bratty at all. He's a very sweet. He's not bratty. He just yeah wishes his dad wounded. had been nicer. Right. And now he's lost him, and the door's closed. But the vault door maybe can be open. Maybe, but God, it's cold in here. <laughs> can we go somewhere warmer? Is there anywhere warmer we could go? I, I, I'm, oh no, explosions! Uh, yeah, let's blow up the hospital. Ah, uh, the hospital's caving in. <laughs> okay, uh, how many podcasts do we have left? Are there any more podcasts we can go to? I, I, I mean, is there? I, I, I don't know. I've never gone this deep before in a podcast. I think we're going to have to go into unstructured podcast space. <laughs> we're going to have to go into the cloud. Hold on, let me just check we're still recording. Oh, All right, we're good. Great, okay. let's go. Ready? Yeah. Okay. David, plug. Okay. Plug. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Hey, anytime. Uh, here's another plug. Uh, watch the tick, August 25th. <laughs> on Prime Video. Will that be in the cloud with us? Uh, yeah, well, yes. I mean, Amazon, right. No physical media ever. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, we, we shot the entire series on, uh, uh, fire tablets, you know that, right? <laughs> okay, everyone. You're waiting for a podcast. A podcast that will take you far away. You know where you hope this podcast will take you, but you don't know for sure. Yet it doesn't matter. Because we'll be podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Griffin Newman. This is Davidson's Blank Check Griffin's <laughs> Pod Night Cast and Caption. I don't know, dude. I'm on a beach right now. Sometimes they bounce, baby, and I'm in a collapsing skyscraper. <laughs> Does anyone have any rice? <laughs> any bowls of rice? David, it is important. Yeah. That we get to the end of this episode and that we find Ben, okay? Right, and we have to do the kicks. Because Ben is down here somewhere. <laughs> we gotta find Ben, we gotta kick him. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay? All right. So let's get to the end of the movie. Now we have synced up with the movie. Just about. <laughs> because once they're in the ice palace. <laughs> yes. Which I keep calling it that. I right. think it's like a prison. I don't know what. No, it's, it's Arendelle. Like a- it's the kingdom from Frozen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Saito. They decide to, right, no, no, right, Maul shoots Killian Murphy. And, and she shows up. Fucking Ariande is like, take the shot. Ariane. She's not real. Don't right. let Shooter. And he's Killian like, Murphy oh, get shot. What if she is real, though? It's pretty he's annoying. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? I know. Then so she shoots Killian. He shoots Maul. Yes. Uh, so that's when, yeah, he meets up with everyone. And he's like, fuck it. I mean, he's dead, so nothing we can do. Well, it was good while it lasted. Yeah, Tom Hardy's like, I wanted to see what's behind that door. Right. But uh, Ariana's like, well, why don't we just go into limbo? She's scrappy. She hasn't been beaten down by this industry yet. She still believes that things are possible. She thinks you can go. Right, exactly. She's like, we can go in limbo. It won't change us. Yeah, let me just take another pass at it. I can can fix the third act problems. (laughs) Uh, And so they're going to get him out. Yes. And then ride the kicks back up is her concept. Ride them kicks. So he's like, be ready here. At this point, we're starting to cut. With the defibrillator. Now, yeah, this movie's really singing. We're starting to cut. We're cutting to uh, Dealey Brow driving a van around town, and then eventually we're just cutting to the van is just hung in midair, just dropping. And I just just love, like, Hans Zimmer score, and you're cutting between, like, people shooting in the snow, right? Joseph Gordon-Levin fighting in a hotel room, which we'll talk about this in half a second. In literally half a second. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, them, like, walking by all these collapsing buildings, trying to find everybody. Yeah. And then just, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt sleeping. Everyone asleep. Listening to headphones. Or really just just a van just going, like... Right. 
just my hanging favorite in is the just air. when they cut to a close up of a sleeping head and the Zimmer score is blaring and you're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, but right, yeah, because they're hanging in the air, uh, yeah. the hotel is now has no gravity. Right. So right, you have this wonderful. I mean, it was the the set piece of the trailer. And it's like why movies exist. It's so true. Like there's a lot of stuff that movies can be. But, like, it's a perfect example of something that can only happen in this medium. I agree. And it's just magical, and I think Nolan and Fisher and everybody have always done this great job of never totally explaining how they did it. Yeah. There are pieces of it that have been explained. They built some kind of, they call it the hamster wheel, some kind of set. They built a gimbal, and the camera is always locked with the gimbal, and the gimbal is spinning. So the actors are having to walk up the walls, but the camera and the, and the room are locked. But then there's the later one where they're floating up and down. Mm-hmm, which is so cool. So cool. But Which is great. But the, that, that shot of him crawling up the weird rotating staircase. And, and the score is just and like the swelling. Like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And that, I've never seen it this was, the first time and just giggling. I know. Like, I was, was just so delightful. giddy with like. You know, okay, so this is why he had to do all the stuff in the movie that's wonky to get to this point yeah. without any dialogue where you're just existing on like a pure stage. Yeah. Because people said, like, why could he have done the movie without the explanation? It's like, well, then then you're doing like the Holy Mountain. Like, that's a movie sure, that works with right. dream logic, but right, you right. can't get emotionally invested in it. It doesn't have a narrative, and you certainly can't make people excited during an action sequence. And that's like his big gambit is like, I'm going to bet everything. I'm with you. You know, bet it all on black for like an hour and a half. So that the last hour just like pays out. Mm-hmm. Great gambling metaphor. Thank you. Right, that works. I don't so know. So great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then also, so we're cutting between all these things. Dealey yeah. Brow driving around. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Not a good driver either. Terrible. Yeah, really bad. Why'd they put him in charge? Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, uh, rumbling around the hotel. Yeah, the zero grav hotel. Right. The ice planet. Uh, you've got Saito and Eames are trying to like hold everyone off. Fight off, right. Well, like throwing grenades, jumping yeah. around like sewers and stuff. Killing Murphy's just slowly uh, Sa- dying. Saito is also slowly dying. Yeah. You're kind of with them at this point. Stakes have never been greater. And then in Limbo, they, you know, they can just, it takes forever in Limbo. So he's just like, yeah, anyway, so this is the world we created, me and Maul. We decided we should live in a city that is endless skyscrapers in a grid. We're not weird at well, all. Well, that's the thing he's now revealed before they go into Limbo is, I've been to Limbo before. I built everything there. I've done Inception before, and it blew up in my face, because my Inception was, hey, maybe you should wake up. Right, right. And she wouldn't and worked, stop thinking. But it wouldn't go away. Right, right it was yeah. like a programming override. Like, every time she woke up, she was like, I'm still sleeping. Let me wake up again. And that is symbolized by this thing where he... Goes into some safe in her like dollhouse, dollhouse, right, and opens it and spins the top again, right, and the top's just spinning, like, just spinning forever. It's a good symbol. Yes. Inception. So um, now they go up. They're trying to find. I just Maul. love how he's just saying, like, you know, we always wanted to live in a small house in the city, so we built this. And you're like, this is terrifying. It's just skyscrapers. But we're also, it's decrepit at this point. Yeah. I know, but yeah. you're, you do see brief shots of it when it's like supposedly nice. And you're still like, this is a weird thing to want to do. They essentially built up. Like it's like yeah. one homey house. Yeah. Uh, like sandwiched in between so clinical skyscrapers. Sky- and who were people there? You don't see anything. But, but Cobb Salad realizes like mm-hmm. if we're trying, if we're trying to find <sighs> Kelly Murphy, why cheese. do I keep on remembering, uh, forgetting his for, uh, name? What is Kelly Murphy's name in this movie? Roger, Robert, Roger, Robert, Roger, Robert, Robert Fisher. Robert. Fisher, Fisher. That's the name I'm looking for. Was fishing for that one. 
He's like, I guarantee you Maul has Fisher. We gotta find Maul, we'll find Fisher. If I know my own fucked up brain, sure. I think my dead wife's memory is holding this guy hostage. So he's like, let's go to the apartment, the apartment where our kids are. And they get in there, and now it's like the two of them sitting at a table. It's the Dark Knight interrogation scene. Yeah, but it's also, right, and it's also this place he keeps dreaming about, too. Right. Their apartment. Right, yeah. and everything's, like, collapsing around and them. It's like a fucking Roland Emmerich movie. This is, right, and this is the point at which Nolan is really fudging, like, having, wanting you to think about, like, is any of his shit real? Like, right. the thing with his kids, did that happen to him? Like, how much is he dreaming anything? Which the whole movie is operating and constructed through dream logic. So even the scenes that are sensibly in the real world feel dreamy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and she's just sort of like calling him out and going like, how do you know what's real, bro? How do you know what's real? Right. Um, trying to get him to stay there with her. Yeah. Burn it all down. Right. She's like, stay here with me forever. And Leo is like, okay, I'll do it if you give Robert over to Ariadne. Yes. And she's, Ariadne's like, no, don't do it. You know, like, don't, ah, limbo, it's unconstructed. She kicks him off but he's the like, the building. But Fisher, he's like, right? listen up, I have to go get Saito, yeah. my real boyfriend. Yeah. I'll be back in like, mm. <laughs> three seconds, 10 years, right. I don't know. Hard to tell. <laughs> but like, right, like that's the crucial thing he's realized. Not that he has to like stay with Maul and whatever. Sure. Write screenplays about his uh, fucking girlfriend forever. Right. Um, so yeah, she kicks him off. Yes. And then she jumps off herself mm -hmm. and then he's there digging for Saito. And, uh, you know, we forgot to talk about my favorite image of the entire film. Please. I mean, we talked about it jokingly, but not really, not that I have to dig into it that much, what? but I think it's the weirdest image in the movie what? and also sort of the, the most Nolan-y image in his entire filmography is the entire cast of beautiful actors dressed immaculately stacked up on top of each other in the air wrapped up in foam cords. I know, it's great. It's so and he's just weird. dragging them around. It's wonderful, For people though. who say the dream stuff isn't weird enough at this movie, <laughs> that's the weirdest it's fucking pretty weird. image. It's pretty yeah. weird. And especially because this movie keeps on, like, after he's assembled the team and there's the whole section with them plotting, there's the thing that was the poster where it's, like, all of them staggered on an intersection yes. in the middle of an empty street and they're all just blocked perfectly at different, like, depths yep. so that you can see them all clearly. And the movie does that like six or seven times. Like, oh, he's obsessed with trying to get all of them in one good widescreen frame. Mm -hmm. And that's like, or just like stack them on top of each other, wrap a phone wrap cord and around. float them around in the sky. It's great. But he does that. So, right. Because at this point, we watch the kicks happen. Right. And goes Gordon Levitt's in the elevator with the explosives. Yeah. They, they, they lie down in the ice palace, blow themselves up. Right. To like, or blow the hospital up to make them fall. Right. Right. Has uh, Killian Murphy woken up again yet? Right. Well, because, right, at the same point, the defibrillator. she kicks him out. Right. right. And then they're like, okay, uh, go go have emotional realization, please, quickly but, now. Uh, yeah, yeah, as like, quick as you can. Which but, is kind of like on set where you save the big scene for the end of the day, and they're like, we're fighting the light. If you could really, we got like three takes right, max. Right, right. Um, so he goes in there, and Postlethwaite is in there, shot from an amazing angle. P. Postlethwaite has one of the most interesting noses in human history. Um, and we're shooting right up the nostrils. Uh, yes, that is true. He's good. He's so good. In his brief. He was such a good actor. He was. Um, but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I think it's, it is funny that during this super high tension heist climax, he succeeds at hitting pause for just a minute. For a character who was not a central emotional focus for right. the first act 
and he's done a decent job distilling because we've had this picture yeah. that he keeps looking of himself with a pinwheel. Yeah. The pinwheel, like he opens the safe, the pinwheel's in it, he's crying. And like Tom Hardy's watching, he's like, yeah. Yeah, we got it. Because he's the audience, right? right. We now should say, right, by yeah. the way, Robert Kess, uh, Robert Fisher is the audience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and uh, yeah, he says, you know, like, disappointed. He's like, I know, Father, you're disappointed that I never became you. Disappointed that you even tried. Yes. Like, pretty affecting. That's pretty emotionally yeah. affecting, right? Yeah. Uh, I find that touching. Yeah. Um, and it is like, tracking with this metaphor of him being the audience Mm -hmm. it's like we kind of look to art and entertainment to give us emotional resolution on things that we never got the emotional resolution on in life to make sense of emotions that we were not able to sort out ourselves incidents that we were not able to sort out ourselves right it's like they all construct this lie where his father gets to tell him the thing that would make him Right. Be free but from all the What I like is we believe it. 100%. Because, of course, we don't know the real father because he's not a character in this movie. Well, so not. we're just like, yeah, no, that's what it's always been. That's why he's sad. Right. His dad was disappointed because he uh, tried right. to be his dad instead of being his Which, own person. not to go up our own butthole too much, but, like, you know, Nolan movies are all about confidence. They're about con men. But it's also, like, that's what fucking filmmaking is. Like you're trying to confidently sell people on a false reality and make them care about things that aren't real. Mm-hmm. Because a shot of Joseph Gordon-Levitt listening to headphones should not have any impact on an audience. It should mean less than nothing. I'm There's a you. reason people don't watch Hit Record Joe. <laughs> it's because that's an uninteresting image, right? Hit, hit record. Hit record. Hit record. It took me a while to figure that out. I also thought it was a movie thing, but it's a music thing. It's both. Or whatever. I don't care. Anyway. But the point is, like, the magic of filmmaking is you put these disparate elements together and they become something greater, even though they're just a bunch of very technical things assembled in a vacuum. They all ride up. The elevator. Well, sure. Right. But, you know, they all ride the kicks up. They're popping. Leo's down in limbo. He, we repeat the scene from the the beginning. Yeah. He's... Saito is old, so we. I guess the idea is he's just been stuck here for decades, right? Yeah. And Leo uh, pulls him out by appealing to like their shared connection, which is you know we are both essentially maniacs, right? Like we're both right. Like that's the thing. Lost like, man tilting at windmills, right. trying to define some sense of greatness right. in our legacy, right? Which is a funny thing when you think about the fact that Leo is a thief, a high end thief, yeah, and Saito is a businessman. Uh, yeah, businessman sure. in a, even business we don't even know what it is is like conglomerates, right? Uh, but it works, and that gets them out, right? Like that's all it is. Yes. Like we don't need to see them ride the kicks up because they just need to get out of limbo. Yes. It's so. But it does work. It, it just, it just works, which is, I think, credit. Wait a second. Uh huh. You see that old man over there? <laughs> the long wispy ginger beard. <laughs> it's so wispy, you can barely see it. It looks familiar. So, have you come to kill me? <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to come for me. <laughs> someone from your half-remembered dream. Cobb. No, that's a Griffin. My name's Griffin. Griffin. You might know another guy named Cobb who looks like me. I'm Griffin. Not possible. He and I were young men together. We recorded a podcast, but I am an old man. Filled with regret? Waiting to die alone, yes. I'm going to stare at you very intensely now. Not blink once. Big Leo eyes. 
Oh, how's the rice, by the way? Really good. Thank you so much. You looked hungry. Yeah, the way I'm eating it is making it hard to get into my mouth because I'm grabbing the fork with it's, my full fist. It's a little downturn. It's a little deranged. It's a little sweaty. Yeah. Also, your eyes are fucked up. Thank you. Well, I worked really hard on that. Just FYI, guys, we still have to do the box office game and talk about the finale. I came back for you. <laughs> Wait, I came to that? remind you of what you once knew. That this world is not real. Maybe I came to convince you to honor an arranged event. Boy, oh, boy. oh, yeah. Did you come to <laughs> convince me to honor some type of arrangement we had established when I was a young man? Yes. Yes, and to take a leap of faith. Come back, and we'll be young men together again. Wait, one last thing I want to tell you. What's up? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you were disappointed that we did all those episodes on the Star Wars prequels that we committed to doing 50 hours of episodes just on the Star Wars prequels. I know you're disappointed. I've had a lot of time to reflect upon that. Well, you've been here in limbo, yeah. 50 years. Unstructured dream space. Uh, Griffin, no, never apologize. I'm disappointed you didn't do more. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, guys, I'm sitting on a beach. There's the van. Oh, wait, we got to go up a couple more levels. <laughs> David, get him with us. David, David, it's so cold. Oh, no, wait, we I think we went the wrong corner. Oh, we went down a level. Hold on, we're going back up. No, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. You're doing it. Oh, this is a nice hotel, but we're floating. Okay, let's back up. A little more, a little further. Up this elevator, yep. Oh, man, driving a van. Okay, one more. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hot towel. Here oh, we are on the you. plane. Thank you very much. Oh, Ben, you're looking at Griffin really weird and then picking up your phone. Hold on. I have to make a quick call. <laughs> yes. Give him okay. what he wants. We get to do 50 more episodes on the Phantom Menace trilogy? Yes. Yes, you do. You know, all this time, David, I thought it was our idea. But now I feel like perhaps I was Inception. <laughs> you get it, David? I get it. Can we talk? It's a very confusing narrative. Can we talk about? There were several different temporalities. Can we talk about the But finale? I think it's actually abundantly clear. Maybe it's sometimes it felt sweaty. <laughs> Real sweaty. <laughs> but oh, I think with God. a little bit of tightening in the edit. This is as sweaty <laughs> as we were recording the Prestige episode. <laughs> all right. Great job. Thank you. Loved it all. Great couple things sure yeah after they wake up mm-hmm. that was crazy by the way oh nuts yeah let's talk about the ending of the movie now <laughs> after they wake up yeah Hans Zimmer's time yes kicks on to the soundtrack right yeah. and this is his this has become his like fucking Star Wars theme or whatever right yeah. this, this is, is the, what he shreds on his electric guitar this when is he plays what he Radio closes his Coachella set with this yes is his encore yeah. I know isn't that bow, hilarious bow, 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 and I remember when like he was announced to be doing that and me and Joey were texting each other and we were like time's gotta be the closer right it's gotta be time <laughs> time's your one like you go on YouTube there's like so many videos that are like Hans Zimmer's time 10 hours long yeah. or you know people right. who just want to listen to it forever um but Leo, you know, uh, that whew, one of Leo's finest moments as an actor, I think, is him playing waking up on the plane. 
I just and all the looks at everybody. It's a totally silent scene of acting, mm-hmm. all close-ups of it's him so good. trying but to then, come to terms with what just he, happened. He's looking at everyone, and he's yeah. like looking at Arthur, who's smiling because yeah. it worked. He's looking at Saito, who looks really confused, but right. then picks up the phone. Right, and then you know, and then he turns around to look at uh, Killian Murphy, who is also doing a great job of like I had the weirdest dream. You yeah. know what I mean? And. Uh, I really think the end of Inception is like the end of Titanic where it's like it's yes. so perfectly executed that you walk out just on a total high because yeah. you're basically like, they did it. They convinced that businessman to and break up his company. Right. And there's De La Brow waiting for his luggage at the carousel. Like it's right. that same. He's seeing everyone like the, the yeah. music is going. It was all swelly. And everyone's and like, giving him these kind of knowing nods. Of and like, then Michael King's like, welcome, welcome. Come home. It's like, almost like the end of Saturday Night Live when everyone's like hugging each other and you're just sort of like we did it. It's like a rap party. It's like a rap party. Have yeah. you had your rap? Oh, you slept through it or you pooped through I had it or whatever. Ideas, yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, congrats on that. Thank you. And and then we're led to see his children. Yes. And he's like, and he finally realizes maybe. And as he's like, walking in, this he's feels like, like oh, too perfect. Shit, let me right. spin this top. Spin the top. Then he sees their faces, which yeah. to me is such a like cathartic moment. Yeah. He's done so well to hide them. Waiting from for you. those faces. They're his kids. Take something away, or at least the boy is his. Make kid. people realize how much they missed him. Right, no, I mean, it's... I'm fucking up the Cobb. line, but it is. Cobb, it's Cobb, Cobb. he's baby. back. But no, yeah, right, it's, it's Nolan's kids. Yes. At least the boy is. Oh, the boy is, not the girl. Yeah, but the right. boy is, yeah. And um, and then, yeah, I mean, you cut to the, the top spinning. Right. The audience you're with in the theater goes, oh! oh! And then it, like, wobbles slightly, cut to black, title, everyone shrieks. Hot take. Doesn't matter. No, I think the whole beauty of the movie is it doesn't matter whether or not the top spinning. The entire point, narratively, emotionally, is that he didn't need to check anymore. Right. And also, I mean, that's what Nolan would say, I think. And yes, and he's had, right, he's free of Maul. Right. Right. I think there's a very good chance he's still in a dream. I, you know, sometimes I rewatch it and think the whole thing's a fucking dream, but I think it doesn't matter. He's found his inner peace. Uh, And he and Saito are best friends. That's all that matters. The two friends. You need to go soon. I do. Let's play so, box office. So here's game. the box office game. Uh, this movie everyone thought was like going to be a big fucking Oscar play, and then they snubbed him once again. It got the best picture nom because of the ten, and it got a screenplay nom, and it won best cinematography, and best visual effects. I think I believe editing. I'm gonna look it up. Should have yeah, won it, editing. It, it it's a well edited movie. Yeah, this is movies often are. Uh, let's see. It was uh, the winner of four Oscars. Okay. It should have won score. That was the real snub. What won that year instead? Hmm, I'll find out. But uh, it won cinematography, sound mixing, sound okay. editing, visual yeah. effects. It did not win editing. Wasn't nominated for editing. Nuts. Somewhat outrageous. Nuts. Uh, the nominees for editing, Social Network, which won, which was actually a wonderful Oh, and Social one. Network won score as well. It, right. Which is a great score. That is, you're right. It is a fucking great score. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Social Network year. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, and it was nominated for score, art direction, screenplay. But he gets picture. snubbed a director after getting the DGA nom, which it's the third time this has happened for him now. He gets a DGA nom and then gets snubbed when they go to the majors. Snubs and flubs. Yes. The movie comes out. On July 16th, 2010. And it everyone makes, was like, is this a risky gamble? Or how roll, indulgent is Warner Brothers? Eyes. Yeah, right. Makes Dream Thieves the movie? Makes 292. It cost of 160. Sure. 292 domestic, 825 worldwide. Humongous. Just a humongous hit. 
just an absolute. I mean, it must be hit. the third highest grossing original film ever, right? I, totally I can't original look material. Up for you right now, but I would assume it's the two Camerons in this. The director nominees that year are Tom Hooper, who wins. Uh, Fincher. Fincher. David O. Russell for The Fighter. Aronofsky. The Coens for True Grit, which is yeah. a masterpiece. And Aronofsky for Black Swan. Tough year. Tough but year. Uh, Tom Hooper. <laughs> Tom Hooper, though. Tom, uh, fucking Tom Hooper. So, number one, Inception. $62 million opening weekend. Which people were like, okay, good opening. Like right. People were like, maybe held. it's going to open a 40, but then, you know, they still might not make back their budget. It did like five times opening weekend. It was crazy, crazy sleeper hit. Yes. Number two. Number two. So it's July. It was number one the week before. July 2010, it's an animated film. The start Despicable of me. a series, yes. Despicable Me, which has made 118 in two weeks. Yeah, I was very surprised when that movie did well, because I remember... That movie, the the word on it was, uh-oh, they fucked up. This movie's going to bomb. And then suddenly... And the advertising was all over the place. Advertising it was, very was all unclear. over the place, but then suddenly in the Opens last two 70. weeks... No, but yeah, but in the they last two just weeks, to the, they shift to these minions. Yeah. And I remember reading a Deadline article that was like, a lot of people think this is a risky proposal, like shows how desperate they are. Yeah. They're like these cutesy cartoon I characters. Being like, these are not appealing characters. What a bad Don't, idea to bet this on the minions. annoying. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Opens now they are president. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is the other big new movie of the week starring your favorite actor. What is it? Who remembered this one? Are you being facetious? No. It is my favorite actor? I don't know. He's You love him. He's one of my guys, and it's a big movie. It's a Disney movie. It's like a family movie, but like a big budget action, like sort of fantasy movie. It's a remake, sort of. It's a remake, sort it's of. A, a it, remake of a Disney film? Yeah. Live action or animated? Animated, but it's live action. It's sort of a remake of a Disney film. It's a live action film. It will cost $150 million. It opened to $17 million and makes 63 total, $215 worldwide. Uh, it's probably the last big budget movie starring this guy. Maybe not. Oh, 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 oh. I can't believe it opened the same weekend. I know, and I saw it that weekend. Jesus. Uh, this is The Sorcerer's Apprentice starring Nicolas Cage. Correct. Based and off Jane one short Rochelle. from Fantasia and Teresa Palmer and Alf Alfred Molina. Correct. Yes. Uh, Monica Bellucci, too. Yeah, it's a crazy movie. Woo! Didn't do well. Uh, a film that killed National Treasure 3. Yeah. Like, the two National Treasure movies were so big for Disney. Yeah. And this, they took such a bath on this, and it was Turtle Top and Cage, that they immediately kicked a National Treasure 3 back, which is really annoying because there are a lot of unanswered questions from National Treasure 2. Uh, so sorry. Number four is a the book of secrets. No, they open the book. <laughs> is uh, uh, the third entry in a very popular franchise of the moment. It has made two hundred sixty four million dollars. Uh, Twihard, Twihard, Twilight Eclipse. Correct. I also saw that. I was at, working at that a summer camp this summer, and I saw most of these movies. I would leave late at night and drive with my friend Scott Crater, and we go to the multiplex and see movies. Wow. Jerk each other off in the theater? Yeah, we jerk each other off in the theater. Congrats. I will say, I, w when we were watching Twilight Eclipse, I turned to him at one point and I said, I bet Edward's penis looks like a glitter pen. And he says that's the funniest thing I've ever said. That is pretty fucking funny. I think it was a good joke. He gave me 10 comedy points. Great. Number five is one of those Pixar cartoons you love so much. Twice three. Correct. <laughs> 362. You also got- The top grossing film that year. Yes. Attention must be paid. Mm, you also got Grown Ups. 
Yep. Uh, which is doing great. Last Airbender. Okay, I was going to ask. Last Airbender has come out at this point and dropped like a stone. It has, in three weeks, made 115, and it's already at number seven. Because it opened huge. I mean, pretty big. Not huge, but big. It's not doing great now, though. No. But yeah, exactly. But it'll make some money. It's made 115. You got yeah. Predators. Yeah, a movie no one remembers. Uh, now they're rebooting Predator again with Shane Black directing. The Predator. Night and Day. Ooh, hey. a forgotten entry yep. in everyone's filmography. Yeah, and that was supposed to be a big cruise comeback. The Karate Kid. Uh, a uh, massive success hit. that no one talks about. Cyrus, the film that launched the Duplass brothers onto HBO forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the first one to say this. That movie's okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I just will never stop complaining about this. Karate Kid, the Jaden Smith remake, features zero karate. It's exclusively about kung fu. They never say the word karate in the movie. That title drives me crazy. It should be called The Kung Fu Kid. Great. Uh, kids are all right. Which exclusively right, about kung. You forget the kids are all right was like a spring movie that made it all the way to the Oscars. Uh, girl, it's a summer picture. Okay, it's a June release. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. Sorry, whatever. Yeah, I was reading it wrong. I thought it was out for 15 weeks. It's actually been out for two. Oh, uh, Iron Man two is at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. The A Team. Uh, yeah, A Team. I think is kind of underrated. Shrek Forever actor after. Yeah, and it was. Mm-hmm. And it was. Uh, Robin Hood. That cleared 100. A lot of 2010 blockbusters that don't exist. Here's the billing order okay. of Inception, and then we'll go. I was going to quiz you, but you got it there. I have it here. Do you okay. want it? No, well, it's okay. No, you got it. So quiz me. Give it to me. Quiz me. Okay, so number one's the Caps. Correct. Number two is Watanabe, which is crazy. I love it. But you love it. He's the best. He's my boy. Number three. The emotional spine of the movie is him and Saito. It really is. Number three is JGL. Correct. Which is very bizarre that he gets above... Cotillard and Page. Cotillard is four. Page is five. Okay. Yeah, but it's true because Cotillard and Page, Oscars. Right. Yeah, anyway. And JGL hadn't been in a big So you got the, well, he'd been in 500. And he'd been in J.I. Joe. Oh, right. He's, I think, really fun in that movie. Yeah, he's good in that one. Number six, Cotillard and Page are next. You got those two. Number six would be uh, uh, Killian Murphy? No. Hardy. Then Then Murphy? Murphy? Then Berenger? And and Michael Caine. Correct. You did it. Dilly Brow didn't make it. No, there's a, a, a split again. card. There's a a three a three uh, a shared card with three actors at the end, which is Dilly Brow, Lucas Haas. Haas, and Tallulah Riley. Yeah, they're the only other ones in it, really. Yeah, and then there's another card in memory of the Pussy Posse, and they list all the members. Yep. Yeah. So that's it. That's Inception, a very, very dumb, silly movie that I love, and I think it's very fun. Yeah. I think you have to accept this movie for what it is, which is him trying to make like a, a weird psychological thrill ride. Like it's, yeah. I, I remember when they announced this movie and it was top secret. No one knew what it was about. He said it's it's a a, a heist movie that takes place in the architecture of the mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And then you saw it, and you're like, oh no, it literally is a, a movie about people performing a heist in the architecture of the mind. Like you can't put this goofy nerdy idea. And committed to it, and the movie's sweaty and it's sloppy and asks you to jump through a bunch of hoops. But if you're gonna ride with it, it's fucking fun. Do and you I, like it, Ben? I loved it. Yeah, it's and it's fun. also this anomalous fucking film where it's like this fully original film that felt like him getting his blank check that ended up being as big as his other movies, pretty much making a huge cultural impact. And no one has dared tried to make anything this ambitious since. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. In this it. kind of sphere. I know, I know, I Trying know. to make like, you know. Interstellar's up there, but yeah. But yeah. Yeah, this is really concerned with being a popcorn movie. Yeah, you're right. 
You're right. You know? Even more so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just think it's like him trying to do like his Hitchcock, where it's like, can I make something that's smart, but also just like gets the and thrills and shows movie. Yeah, and right. dumb people in the audience can just have fun watching. And it. then what comes next? Dark Knight Rises. Oh boy, we're gonna do Bartman jokes again. Yep. Richard T. Bain. Uh, I think it's Michael J. Bain. Yeah, I think you're right. Please don't mess up my bits. Thank you all for listening, everybody. David is whipping me with his AC cord. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Big thanks to Andrew Gudo for social media, Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for artwork. Yep. Killing it, Lane Montgomery, for the theme song, which has been progressively slowed down over the course of this episode. Yep. Uh, go to our Reddit, Blanky's subreddit, for some real dorky shit. Yep. And as always... What do you got? Limbo's unstructured genes. <laughs> okay, great.